For more than a decade, Saturdays and Illegal Curve have been synonymous with one another. With insight, analysis, and interviews regarding the Winnipeg Jets, the Manitoba Moose, and all around the NHL, here are Dave Manouk, Ezra Ginsberg, and your host, Drew Mandel. The Illegal Curve Hockey Show starts now. Good morning, Winnipeg. Good morning, Manitoba. For all those joining us live this morning on our YouTube channel and all of our social media platforms, we say good morning, universe, and welcome to the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. With Dave Manute, with Ezra Ginsberg, I'm your host, Drew Mandel, here for the next couple hours, all about the Winnipeg Jets. Tons to talk about, especially in light of the worst-kept secret in hockey becoming front and center, that being Pierre-Luc Dubois' trade demand. In addition, in the bottom of hour number two, in about 90 minutes' time, we're thrilled to welcome Jets defenseman Dylan Samberg to the show. So lots to get to, lots to talk about on this Saturday morning. Dave, Ezzy, gentlemen, good to see you both. Ezzy, I haven't spent as... That was the best time we've spent together in a long, long time last night at the football game. Yeah, I would agree. It was, it, it was really to show the public, the fans, that we actually do hang out together outside of the show, right? Like That's people right. were asking, people did, yeah, they didn't believe us. They're like, yeah. there's no possible way that you guys hang out in, in your free time. But little <laughs> does some people know that we were season ticket holders uh, back in the old days of the uh, Canada Stadium. But yeah, yeah, huge win for the Bombers. We had a great time. Saw Huss, saw our boy Isha Boy Bruce, who's uh, a, a regular in the uh, IC Hockey Show and IC Post Game Chat. Saw a lot of people. Saw Carter Chen. Shout out to him. Saw lots of good people uh, out there. Really good crowd. It was a beautiful night. Uh, mm-hmm. It was a little bit too close. Like we were laughing. Like that game, the score really flattered the Tie Cats because uh, the Bombers were up like 28 or 29 points at, at the half. But yes, it was an enjoyable evening. Mm-hmm. Um, and I enjoy spending time together with you, uh, you know, in a couple of years. Yes, exactly. Thank you very much, Dave. I'm sure we'll get an opportunity where we'll spend some quality time with you out in public, but there wasn't going to be last night. I'm afraid. That's, that's okay. I was, <laughs> I was, I was, I was okay to let you guys have your, your evening. You two lovebirds have your evening together. It's, uh, I was all good. There you go. Okay. Thank you for taking the high road on this matter. That's very, uh, that's very generous of you. Oh, more importantly, very happy to report John Chen in Singapore Got his Jets merch uh, safe and sound. I was a little concerned. I'm not going to lie. John's was the farthest destination that we sent merch to. And so uh, uh, good to hear that John received his Jets merch uh, safely in Singapore. So glad to hear it. And thanks for uh, being patient with me, John. There you go. Exactly. Dave, you only shipped that out back in mid-November. So it's a really quick turnaround. (laughs) I'd love to say I did. I'd love to say I did as, but it was maybe a little bit delayed. Just a smidge. There you go. So nonetheless, John got his uh, John got the merchandise, so that's the important part. In any event, let's get into it with lots to talk about regarding the Winnipeg Jets. As the, the the few weeks worth of a sort of a a lull in news uh, ended this week when, as I mentioned, the worst kept secret in the world uh, saw the light of day with Pierre Luc Dubois uh, through his agent indicating to the Winnipeg Jets that he has no interest in maintaining his status as a member of the Winnipeg Jets, uh, which again has been talked about, has been expected, has been rumored for many, probably at least over a year now, at least back to last offseason when there was no long-term contract to sign. And now the Jets are up against it. They have this uh, very narrow window of time now where they now have to figure out what to do with Pierre-Luc Dubois 
have to figure out how to possibly recoup uh, a, a reasonable return for the young centerman. The question I have for you guys is, is this, in your opinion, another instance of the Jets failing to act in a timely manner? Another instance where their tendency to be reactive rather than proactive is going to end up, uh, you know, I don't know if the word costing them is is the right terminology, but it's going to end up uh, impacting the quality of return on a player like Pierre-Luc Dubois. Now, there's no way, boys, that you can say that, you know, Chevy has been proactive in this case, right? Because, I mean, these rumors have been around since this time last year, right? And that whole, you know, Dubois drama at the draft with, you know, him going to the draft with his bank and, you know, him expecting to be traded to the to the Habs, right? Everybody remembers that. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, look, this is not a, a great position for the Jets and, and Chevy to be in. Obviously, you know, we expect Chevy to get a good return for Dubois. Um, but, you know, for me, like just stepping aside from, you know, the, the kind of debate about, you know, whether or not Dubois should have been traded earlier, right? Like, it's just unfortunate that, you know, this has happened again, right? Like we've seen this with so many players, you know, whether it's Jacob Truba or whether it's Patrick Lyonne. Um, and it's really unfortunate that a player like Dubois, who's coming off such a monster season, and I realized that there were some stretches that, you know, Dubois um, struggled a little bit offensively and he definitely you know, was uh, better in the earlier stages of the series against the Golden Knights in the in the first round, but he's still uh, a beast when it comes to, you know, what he can do on the ice. He's a legitimate top six center, whether, you know, you want to call him a 1C or uh, 2C, whatever. But, um, you know, it's interesting, you know, what, and, and obviously Dave has been posting, there's been no shortage of articles, as a lot of people know, on this situation with, you know, guys like Jeff Merrick and Elliot Friedman chiming in. Pierre Lebrun had the Lebrun bomb, as you mentioned earlier this week. But I think it's really going to be interesting to see, you know, if he gets traded to the Habs or not. Because, you know, Merrick says that, you know, there's no number two. But then Merrick went on to list, you know, Dallas and Tampa Bay <laughs> and, and Boston. everybody. Right? And then, and, and then Elliot even, you know, gave him a bit of a hard time and said, you just named half the league, right? But, I mean, there, there's got to be uh, multiple teams interested here and you you have to think that you know after this news came out Dave this wasn't the first time you know that that we expected to hear that Chevy had been talking to you know the Habs and and other teams so uh, we already thought there was a good chance that Dubois was going to be traded and honestly now it seems like he could be traded any day like Drew and I were talking about this uh, at the Bombers game last night actually like a lot of people are thinking Dubois is going to be traded the week of the draft I think he gets traded before that I do, I do too. I think this trade could happen imminently. I mean, there you know, he there, there there's the sort of the multiple angles that are now being explored here because you know the you know Pat Brisson, uh, the agent for Pierre Luc Dubois, is mm-hmm. is working in tandem to some extent with the Winnipeg Jets and with whomever would be the acquiring team of Pierre Luc Dubois to see if it's going to be a if there's an opportunity for there to be a long term. Uh, contract involved, the similar to what uh, we saw happen, I guess, earlier this week with Damon Severson uh, going from New Jersey to Columbus in a sign and trade. It was an eight-year deal that only New Jersey could sign him to those eight years, and they facilitated a sign and trade. And I think for their efforts, they got a third-round draft pick, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, for he was for a him. UFA. Yeah, he was a pending UFA. So there's a little bit different there, right? But last year with Matthew Kachuk. Uh, leaving Calgary, you know, his agent, you know, gave the Flames a list of teams that he would sign a, a long-term deal with. And then the Flames, I mean, we know that their season 
was not what they expected. And we know where Kachuk and the Panthers currently are down 2-1 in the Stanley Cup final. Uh, but you know, you know, the, the return that the Flames got for Matthew Kachuk was pretty decent. Huberto and Uyghur. You know, I think people, if the Jets got a return like that, they would probably say, okay, you've salvaged a bit of a bad situation here. But so that's mm-hmm. where they're at now. They're they're now at the point in time where they're no longer sort of playing, you know, footsie regarding if there's going to be a trade or if there's not going to be a trade. It's everybody is trying to now, you know, make that trade come to fruition. And the irony of the whole thing, as our friend Murad Atash in The Athletic outlined very well, is that Montreal you know, really doesn't have necessarily the best package for the Jets that the Jets would be interested among the teams that allegedly could be in. He goes through a list and he talks about the LA Kings being an option. And the Kings have a lot more interesting pieces, I would say, to maybe make a deal work than the, than the Habs do. But, with, you know, if Pierre-Luc Dubois is really only interested in going to Montreal, he and Brisson could really box the Jets in pretty pretty significantly here which goes to my comment about reactive instead of proactive well you know we saw it dave that you know pierre luc dubois could sign an offer sheet yeah for on a one-year contract the jets Jets wouldn't be able to trade them the jets wouldn't be able to trade them they'd you know if they choose not to match the offer sheet then they could get you know maybe a, a second round pick back nothing extravagant by any stretch of the imagination but the leverage is now not with Kevin Sheveldayoff. No, you're it's right. With, you're it's with uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois and his representatives. You are right, Drew. And and that's why when the news came out that he was willing to at least say there's five or six teams that he's willing to sign that long-term deal with, that it it alleviated a little bit for Kevin Sheveldayoff and the Jets because, look, he's already backed them into a corner. But that corner could have been even smaller had he not acknowledged that. Had he just said basically... It's a Montreal or bus type situation. And Montreal knows, well, we don't have to give up anything anyways because we can get them for free. You know, and if you heard some of the deals coming out of uh, Montreal, it was like, it was like, uh, here, take, we'll take Pierre-Luc Dubois for, for a bag of beans. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing because it, it it's crazy to think that he had 63 points last year. It's not like he had 163 points. It's not right. like he had 100 points. I mean, he had 63 points. He's, he and, wasn't Matthew Kachuk in Calgary the year before he got traded. Yeah, which didn't he have 104 or something like that? Like, something like, like that. It was, yeah, he had a monster year. So I'm just saying, like, it's funny how you're sitting there and you're like, it's not as if he's put the t- a team on his back for an entire year and you're like, okay, this guy's worth it. You know, and, and it's interesting because Mike McKenna, obviously on Daily Faceoff, was talking about a guy who's already tried to get out of two cities and what that means for you know, teams and, and a team's willingness to take, you know, a, a flyer on a guy, not necessarily mm-hmm. the Philadelphia Flyers, as he, but to take a flyer on a guy who's willing to, to work his way away from that team eventually and get to where he wants to go. Now, I understand that he's one year away from being able to choose his own destiny. But for me, it becomes, an, it, it really, the situation is now giving the Jets a little bit of latitude, but not a lot. And I, I'm 100% on board with what Ez just said. You got to get it done now. There's no farting around. There's no, mm-hmm. oh, well, we can put this one on the back burner because you don't want to be in a situation where you have to decide between an offer sheet, which is going to be a low number because I'm sure a team's not going to want to give up a lot. And then you can't trade the guy. And then you've just walked him to free agency and you may as well just put a Habs jersey on him now. And it's going to make it an untenable year. I know you you have that option. Well, but to me, 
you, I know you have the option, but I'm saying you don't want that. You need Pierre-Luc Dubois gone. And we, as he, we were of the belief anyways that of the four major, you know, four components of this group, he was the first one to be gone. And in my mind, probably the only one for sure that was going to be gone. Yep. But this to me is now a certainty. Well, well and you, boys, you is talk- there, sorry, I was just, just, just quickly, Drew, I was just going to say, uh, like, just sticking with the offer sheet. I'm not sure if you wanted to, you know, pivot and go to something else here. But when oh, you're talking about, yeah, like when you're talking about the offer sheet, doesn't it make more sense to you guys? And I'd li- love to, you know, hear people chime in on the chat as well. Like, doesn't it seem more likely that another team aside from the Habs would offer sheet Dubois? Because we know that most likely, you know, Chevy and, and Kent Hughes have been talking regularly, right? Like, we know that they've talked before about mm-hmm. Pierre-Luc Dubois, right? So it seems like unlikely that the Habs would offer sheet Dubois. And and also, you know, you would think that someone would offer, um, you know, I think his qualifying offer is just over $6 million, right? And then you're getting into the first round pick third round pick situation. I don't know exactly what the number is guys, but well, so that means, doesn't let make me, sense for me. Let me just make sense for, for me for there to be a low ball offer here. Well, the, the question is, you know, how desperate is Pierre-Luc Dubois to not be a member of the Winnipeg Jets? Because if you heard what, you know, Pierre Lebrun re- was reporting, you know, which was obviously what Pat Brisson was telling him is that he has no interest in signing a qualifying offer. He has no interest in, in, in playing any more games for the Winnipeg Jets. He has no interest in, you know, kicking the can further down the road to the trade deadline. He wants out. He does not plan to be a member of the Winnipeg Jets come training camp. So if you're that committed to that, and if the Jets are being, you know, stubborn with with regard to making a trade, then and and you know why wouldn't you go out and sign a one year offer sheet? Uh, no, there's obviously risk involved. It depends on how risk, you know, how how much risk you're willing to accept. If you're Pierre Luc Dubois, but if you're willing to accept, you know, a fair bit of risk on a one year contract, and if you're willing to leave a little bit of money on the table. In that, you know, he can go sign, I think, a $4.5 million one-year offer sheet with the Montreal Canadiens. And if the Canadiens uh, and if the Jets, you know, don't match it, then they only get like a second-round pick in return. And if the Jets do match it, well, then Pierre-Luc Dubois might have to hold his nose a little bit and, and, and become a, and be a member of the Jets. But the Jets then are not going to get anything else for him because they can't trade him for a calendar year. So it's it's again. I feel like the Jets would not match an offer sheet under any circumstance. It seems odd that they. It seems unlikely. I would agree that they would if the player is. You're guaranteeing. Guaranteeing. You're you're guaranteeing you have Dubois for the next year, but then you're also guaranteeing that you don't get anything in return. And to me, that's just unacceptable. Well, but that's why he has all the leverage. He can go and do that if he wanted to. He could go and sign that offer sheet. And then the Jets would be stuck sort of accepting whatever, you know, if they choose not to match and you know, based on the, the, let's assume that they, they don't, they're either going to get a second round pick or they might get a first round pick and a third round pick, depending on, uh, uh, depending on what uh, the actual dollar figure of that offer sheet comes into. It just goes to my point, which I started the segment with. The leverage is not on the Winnipeg Jets side because I think they've overplayed their hand at a, at, you know, there's a tipping point. The team for the most, you know, for the early part of a player's career generally has all the leverage. They, you know, the player is not UFA, uh, you know, is not a UFA. They're not eligible for your unrestricted free agency. They only become uh, eligible for arbitration at a certain point in time. And so for a lot of years, it becomes, it's to the team's advantage. And then you, it used to be that when the player hits UFA, it becomes to the player's advantage. But players are now realizing that they can fast forward that scenario. They can get a little bit more aggressive with that when you're only a year away from UFA status. 
when you're, you know, and that's where the Jets, I think, misplayed their hand. I think they thought they had another year to figure this out. And the Pierre-Luc Dubois, Pat Brisson, they're all saying, no, you don't. You know, we've, we've requested the trade. You've done nothing to acknowledge it. You've done nothing to accept it. Now we're going to sort of play the various Trump cards, pardon the pun, that uh, that, that we have, that I have available for my for my player. And Kevin Sheveldayoff is trying to salvage a bad situation, but it's a bad situation that the team themselves, I think, have painted themselves into. Absolutely. And and one thing also to point out, I, I, I think you guys will remember, and some people might remember this, though, Aaron Portsline, good friend of the show, covers the Blue Jackets for The Athletic before the Dubois for, for Lion Aid Roslovic trade, mm-hmm. uh, there were the rumors that the, the Canadians, with when Mark Bergevin was the GM, was going to offer Sheet Dubois, right? So yeah. it's something that that kind of the Habs have had in their back pocket, Dave, for a while. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, I just, I don't, just reading the situation, it doesn't seem like the offer sheet from Montreal. I don't know about any other teams. Like I know some people in the chat are talking about Carolina. Carolina is a really interesting team because we talked about the Hurricanes need for some scoring help. We know their goaltending situation, right, with Kachetkov, but Antti Ranta and Freddie Anderson are obviously pending UFAs, right? So that would make sense for Hellebuck if the Jets are, you know, listening on on Hellebuck, which we don't really know, you know, what what the status of that is because we don't know the status of the contract negotiations, well, right? As I got, I got, I got a little, I got a little nug here from Pierre LeBrun's article, which just came out in the Athletic, and he said because he added some stuff about Dubois and Hellebuck. The Dubois stuff was nothing really earth-shattering, but this is what he said about Hellebuck. Uh, and there should, uh, talking about Shifley and Hellebuck, saying odds are both are traded this summer, and there should be no confusion about whether Hellebuck has interest in signing an extension in Winnipeg. That ship has sailed. His next contract will be with a new team. So w- when did this come out, Dave? Just now? Uh, about an hour ago. I just saw it like a second ago. See, that's okay, huge. So let, let, that's, let, that's absolutely huge. Yeah. Uh, That's the first time that we've ever heard from any of the insiders that uh, there's no contract extension coming for Connor Hellebuck. And that obviously, Dave, indicates that, you know, a trade would probably happen at some point uh, before he becomes a UFA. I have no idea if that's going to happen, you know, in the next few weeks or or a few months, but that's absolutely huge news. I, I want to. The, the, no, 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 I finally well, got the breaking, not the breaking, the breaking news, the breaking news noise there. Let, let's back that up because that is absolutely right. As the first time we've heard that, and again, LeBron is just a mouthpiece. LeBron is just you know parroting whatever the agent is telling him. So don't get you know. So let's just fourteen. Well, I mean, in I'm this not case, saying he would do this. I'm, I'm saying, uh, yeah, I agree, but I'm just saying yeah. in, with hell about with LeBron, it could be team or agent, but sure. Okay, so let's let's go through this one more time, and maybe tweet this out. See if uh, you know, because I think a lot of people probably are going to be really curious about that exact quote from that writing, article. A, writing an article for illegalcurve.com. Chill. There you go. I know you are. So again, this is Pierre LeBrun among. So this is LeBrun, De, Eric Dehatchik, and Michael Russo are the authors of this piece on theAthletic.com, and it says. Uh, there should be no confusion about whether Hellebuck has interest in signing an extension in Winnipeg. That ship has sailed. His next contract will be with a new team. So that is he doesn't I'm, he doesn't provide a source there. By the way, no. I mean, there's. It's, but it's, I mean, you can. But you, you've been around this game long enough, as he. I've been around this game. Dave's been around this game long enough. We all know who these guys' sources are. It, it's players. It's not going out with that uh, without having a reliable source. I'm just no. saying we don't know. It, like Dave said, I mean, it, it could come from 
you know, just someone else on another team, right? Like it could be an executive on another team that knows about that. I mean, that would be uh, right. a little bit odd, but we just don't know. But regardless, the fact that that was, you know, put on, you know, ink to paper um, or, you know, words to uh, online, <laughs> online yeah. reading platform um, is huge, right? And that makes you wonder, you know, if we could see Dubois and Hellebuck both traded before the draft starts in a couple of weeks. Well, I think it, I think that leaves it almost with with no with the, with no question that you now have. I mean, the draft is is basically a little more than two weeks away. It's about uh, eighteen days away from now, and so now you have what I'm going to describe as clarity regarding mm -hmm. the status of two of the big four. You know, in Hellebuck saying that he no longer wants to be a member of the Winnipeg Jets, or he has no interest in being a member of the Winnipeg Jets beyond this Past season. Next year. Yeah. yeah. And Dubois, who has no interest in being a member of the Winnipeg Jets as of today. You know, so th 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 there's no... It's unfortunate news. Like, let, let's step back for a, a second here, because people are, I'm sure, already speculating uh, about where Hellebuck's going to end up. But it's really unfortunate, right? Like, Pierre-Luc Dubois has wanted out for a while. I mean, we've yeah. known that. He could have been traded a year ago. Um, but it's really unfortunate when you think about, you know, the season that Hellebuck just had, right? Like nobody's going to argue, um, you know, with Colin Hellebuck, the team MVP, right? Uh, Vesna finalist for the third time in, in five years. And it's really unfortunate. So I realize that, you know, a, a lot of fans are going to be excited for the possible return and what the Jets could possibly acquire for Hellebuck. But uh, it's an end of an era. It's sad to see. It, it is sad to see, but again, you know, how did it get to this point? You know, and, and that's something that, you know, our buddy Mike McIntyre talked about in his column about the Pierre-Luc Dubois news is, you know, are, are the Jets doing any introspection to try and find out how everything got to this point, how it got to be so poisonous that these guys don't even want to reconsider signing longer, uh, signing uh, extensions here. And that's probably a topic for another day in time. But right now, it's evident that the Winnipeg Jets are not are are going to be, you know, in desperate need of a new goaltender. If not for this season, then for shortly thereafter. And if mm -hmm. Connor Hellebuck is indicating that he doesn't want to be here anymore, and I have no reason to doubt the article on its on its face, now what? can the Jets recoup for him in a trade? You have a huge opportunity with Pierre-Luc Dubois. You have a huge opportunity with Connor Hellebuck. I'd say you even have a greater opportunity now with Hellebuck because, yeah, no question. because he hasn't boxed himself in to one team, you know, being the front runner for his next services. I wonder, boys, if Carter Hart is an option for the Jets. Like, we just, we know that Philly recently acquired Cal Peterson from the LA Kings. Uh, so I think the writing on the wall, most people agree with Carter Hart. I mean, I, I think, you know, it's it's been communicated by the Flyers and the insiders that a trade isn't imminent. But Dave, you wonder, you know, are, are the Jets able to swing a trade for Carter Hart? Like his numbers haven't been great, but the Flyers have been awful. Uh, and 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 as far as I'm concerned, Carter Hart's an excellent goaltender and be, would be a great replacement for Hellebuck. Well, yeah, and I, mean, I think that, I think the interesting thing as he is that, uh, with what Drew just talked about was the fact that you're getting a King's ransom for Connor Hellebuck. And to, to further the point Drew made, there's you're talking about not boxing him in. He wants to be a Stanley Cup champion. He's not like, I like he's from Michigan. I'm sure he'd love to restore Detroit to their glory, mm -hmm. but they're not there yet. So the fact of the matter is that unlike Pierre-Luc Dubois, who's basically got his eyes peeled on La Belle Provence, I think that you've got Connor Hellebuck saying, listen, I'm willing to go to where there's someone... Somewhere that is going to challenge for a Stanley Cup. 
Now, if you're the Jets, again, for a guy who's won a Vesna, who's been a, a, a finalist now three times, could win this year as well, which means he's a two-time Vesna winner. I mean, here's a, here's a guy who has tremendous, tremendous, I mean, uh, you know, in terms of what you can get. And, and, and look, the Jets are getting forced into this. This is not a Jets decision. If the Jets had their, their, their options, I'm sure they would, you know, sign Colin Hellebuck to a long-term deal, but they obviously won't have that sort of opportunity. And that's maybe based on what a lot of people are evaluating a team that sure you were in first at one point, but you got into the playoffs at the eighth seat. And just by the skin of your hairy, hairy chin, chin, as you, you got the hairiest chin on this show. But the fact of the matter is that this is a decision that, Ultimately, it sucks because, look, you have a guy who wins the Vesna, but he artificially, it's like like a little bit of a sugar high. He artificially inflates what this team could do quite often night after night. And perhaps what this is going to do is force the Jets to make a trade to kind of retool, rebuild, restructure. I don't care which re you were use, yeah. but the fact is you're going to get a king's ransom for a Connor Hellebuck and, and a lot more than you're going to get for a Pierre-Luc Dubois. Sorry, I'm yeah. laughing at the comment that if the Jets really wanted Pierre-Luc Dubois, they would have taken him second overall. That's funny because <laughs> nobody expected uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois, Dubois to go third overall after Matthews and Line a went 1-2, right, Dave? We were there in Buffalo. Everybody was expecting it to be Pugliarvi, and then, of course, he went fourth to Edmonton, right? But we all know if that draft was redone, Kachuk would go first overall. That's right. I said it. <laughs> well, we can deal with that on a different day and a different time. So just updating before we head to break for, for the first time this morning, Paul Edmonds is going to join us in the bottom of the hour in a couple of minutes. We have the Pierre-Luc Dubois news, which of course we knew about earlier, uh, you know, this week where he announced, he says he doesn't want to be a member of the Winnipeg Jets. We're we going to see and a the- breaking trade this morning, boys. Like, is this going to be like 2021 uh, when Sarah came on and then, yeah, uh, then Dubois was, was acquired by the Jets for Lion A like 10 minutes later? I don't think it's going to happen that quickly, but then it's an additional news uh, courtesy of the athletic. The byline is credited to Pierre Lebrun, our good friend, Eric, the Hatchick, Michael Russo saying there should be no confusion about whether Connor Hellebach has interest in signing an extension in Winnipeg. That ship has sailed. His next contract will be with a new team. So there you have it. Dubois likely on his way out. Hellebuck likely on his way out at some point. And then the question still surrounding Shifley and Blake Wheeler as the Winnipeg Jets offseason up of upheaval continues unabated. What a time yeah. to be alive, right, boys? <laughs> exactly. Breathe, take a deep breath of that fresh air. That's what a time to be alive. When we come back, Paul Edmonds joins us. Dylan Sandberg at the bottom of our number two. Much more to come. It's a very busy Saturday edition of the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. Don't go anywhere. Bottom of our number one, welcome back to the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. Drew Mandel, Dave Manouk, Ezra Ginsberg with you. We're thrilled to welcome to the program our very good friend, kind enough to interrupt his son's baseball game to join us on this Saturday morning. It's Paul Edmonds, the voice of the Winnipeg Jets on CJOB Radio. Paulie, good to see you, buddy. How are things? Yeah, really good. I didn't interrupt the game, though. They're uh, they're continuing to play. So uh, I'm just in the I'm in the vehicle, so I don't have to talk over uh, what's going on in the field, but but uh, love to talk hockey with you guys this morning. Is that uh, Nolan, your son Nolan, Paul? Yeah, the youngest guy, yeah. Right on. Yeah. There you go. Nice to see that uh, he got some. Uh, he got some athletic talent, nonetheless, <laughs> uh, despite his genetics. But that's good to see. You know, we'll we'll, we'll attribute that to the mom. I, I think, right? <laughs> yes. Uh, touche. Yes. Yeah, he, it's been too long. I haven't. I haven't been yeah, able to, know. You know, to to give you the gears a little bit for a little while. So uh, uh, I got to awesome. get back in at it. Yeah, uh, Paulie. No. 
your reaction, I don't know if you have seen this. It just came out within the last 30 minutes or so. An article on theathletic.com uh, byline by Eric Dehatchik, Pierre Lebrun, and Michael Russo. And I'm going to quote, read it to you for your reaction. Okay. Uh, Connor Hellebuck. There should be no confusion about whether Hellebuck has any interest in signing an extension in Winnipeg. That ship has sailed. His next contract will be with a new team. Hmm. So pretty definitive uh, words coming from three guys who uh, certainly uh, know what they're talking about. Yeah, the, the dominoes are starting to fall here. And I think, you know, is it shocking? No, but I think what it does is it does give you some clarity as to what's going to happen with this group here. Now you've got PLD that's asked uh, probably to be moved before he has to play his last year of what is still an existing contract with the Jets. And now there's a one year left on the the last term contract that Connor Hellbuck has, has uh, signed. And now he's looking to probably move along as well. And so what's the starting point for Kevin Shovelday off? Well, there's a number of them here, right? Like you just don't know where to go. I mean, Usually in these things, it's not, well, let's deal with this guy, then we'll deal with that guy. Usually these things are orbiting around at the same time. So, you know, things got a little bit more complicated this morning with that, with that announcement. Uh, but I don't think that anybody was surprised by that. Uh, you know, this is sometimes, I don't think, a Winnipeg thing, but more of a Canada thing for some of these guys. And, you know, it's, uh, it's unfortunate, but that's kind of the way it is. And um, I don't know that they're going to have a complete teardown, but it does look like there's going to be a – a number of core pieces that are going to be playing elsewhere uh, than in Winnipeg uh, that are still currently Winnipeg Jets when it comes to September, October, when the puck drops for real in 2023-24. Paul, you mentioned PLD there, and and obviously we don't know, you know if he's going to be ultimately traded to Montreal. That's what we've been hearing for over a year now. But when it comes to a trade, are you expecting a center to be coming back the other way? Because we've obviously been talking about this on, on the Saturday show for over a month now. Um, you know, some people saying that, you know, could there be a trade for a winger or, or a defenseman? Like for me, when you have that type of hole, when you trade Dubois, like obviously it's going to be tough to find a player, uh, you know, of Dubois capabilities with the, just the power forward element and everything like that. But do you expect, regardless if it's one for one, do you expect a center to be coming back to replace Dubois? Because obviously we know there's not a ton of players in the system that can, you know, fill, fill his skates, so to speak. Yeah, I don't know that uh, if you're looking to get a frontline center or a 1A or a 2, a very close 2, if you're looking to give up another center, right? So, you know, is Nick Suzuki available? No. So you're looking to kind of add on that depth chart there is Kirby Doc. I mean, uh, he's been traded already and looks like he's found a home in Montreal. But I think what you're trying to do is is look to say, okay, can we strengthen our center position? If we give up a center, that would be number one. If that doesn't check a box, then you're looking at, okay, where is another player or a position of need that that we would require? Um, would it be a Caden Gooley, you know, uh, certainly on the back end? I mean, could we use that defenseman there? I think it's, okay, you look around and find, you know, your suitable dance partner and then what they have available to you, and then the negotiations start. Would you love to get a center back? Of course you would. But I don't think that if you're trying to, if you're Montreal trying to strengthen your center position, then you're turning around and giving up a one or two center as well, right? So I don't think it really starts and ends there, Ezzy. Uh, but at the same time, what you're doing is looking to not, you know, strengthen other areas, but have a deficiency in the, in the middle of the ice because it's such an important position. So I think that maybe if it's Montreal, 
and it could be, or it could be the New York Rangers or anybody else, the Boston Bruins. Those have been rumors as well. You know, if you don't get a center in that particular maneuver and, and negotiation, then maybe you look down the road and something else to strengthen that center position when you maybe divest yourself of another asset. So uh, to answer your question succinctly, I don't think it's center for center. I think it would be probably Pierre-Luc Dubois for what you can get best back that's going to fit your organization now and also into the future. Paul, do you think it's time for the organization to trust the fan base and say, listen, like you are sophisticated enough to understand that we need to go to the Jets 3.0 version. We've tried it with this core. And you know what? This team, I, I mean, again, my opinion, when this team was working hard with the role players they brought up and the guys, everybody kind of on the same page in February or in January when there were all those injuries, people re- responded to that team. Do you think it's time for the organization to recognize we tried it with these guys? In some instances, they don't have a choice because Pierre-Luc Dubois has said what he said. But do you think it's time for them to say, listen, the fan base is going to trust that there is a vision here and we need to let them understand what that vision is? Uh, You know, I I agree with you. I think that we are sophisticated and very educated when it comes to hockey and but not necessarily on the ins and outs of what goes on in running a National Hockey League team and behind the scenes. There's an old saying, and I'll bring it into the equation here. When you start listening to the fans, next thing you know, you're sitting beside them, right? (laughs) So uh, from that standpoint, you have to be careful. I mean, you know, there is a vision. It's uh, it's, uh, sometimes, I think, pretty guarded by the Winnipeg Jets on what they want to do. But I do believe that everybody's on the same page at this point of saying, okay, things are going to change here. How drastically are things going to change with the Winnipeg Jets between now and October when they drop the puck for real? I guess we don't know. Um, But there are going to be some moves here. I don't think you're going to, you know, force Pierre-Luc Dubois to to play another year here or half a year before you trade him at the deadline. And if Connor Hellebuck wants to be moved now, now you can't be waiting to the deadline to move a goaltender either. The time to strike on that is now as well. So there are going to be some changes. We've always heard, of course, of Mark Shifley and Blake Wheeler in that equation as well. Um, So I think that there's a reception from the organization that things are going to be altered as I think as much as the fan base wants that to happen. Um, But, you know, to what degree, I'm not quite sure because we don't know uh, the entire vision. Now, the other thing is too, David, that the vision has probably changed a little bit with the pronouncements that uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois wants to trade now and Connor Hellebuck, who's a Vezina candidate again, uh, wants to probably not fulfill his final year in Winnipeg and won't be signing a long-term contract with the Winnipeg Jets. So things change. Like Paul Maurice used to say all the time, you've got a game plan until the puck drops. <laughs> yeah, until Mike Tyson punches you in the face, right? The, right, the same, that's right. The same, <laughs> the same saying, uh, different different, different uh, angle on it. Paul Edmonds, the voice of the Jets on CJOB Radio, is our guest this Saturday morning. You're watching the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. Uh, Paulie, one of my you know favorite adages, of course, is time heals all wounds. Do you think that the three months, the four months of the offseason since the Jets season ended and the train and training camp begins will be enough time to heal the wounds of the end of season media availabilities that we saw from Rick Bonus and from the players where uh, there was certainly some uh, uh, charitably uh, a disagreement in opinion. Well, I don't know about that. I mean, they do like Rick Bonus, and he's got one year left, I believe, on his agreement, and he is the coach here. And a lot of fans like the way you want to talk and bring the fans back into it, like the way he sort of engaged 
uh, the market here and, and really sort of had a sense of, of accountability. And if there are some of those that don't want to be accountable and play under those rules uh, and under that umbrella, then I don't know that much has changed. Uh, the answer to that will be, I certainly, I think, stay tuned, uh, Drew. But, you know, there were some eyebrows that were raised and some harsh criticism both ways, I think, at the, at the exit meetings and, uh, and media availability from that standpoint. Um, you know, can, can four months change? A lot, for sure it can. But it also comes maybe with a change of personnel in your dressing room. That's where I think the biggest change would come from. You know, mm -hmm. you start moving some pieces out and moving some new people in, that changes the culture. It changes the outlook. It just changes the entire dynamic of your room as well. Um, so, you know, he, that being Rick Bonus talked about making some changes last year, which he did, to allow a little bit more oxygen in the room and for things to breathe. And I think that there's still maybe some opportunity for that to be expansive this year in this offseason. Um, but I think that, you know, if you brought some of the same guys back that maybe were critical, um, certainly I think you have the offseason to work on some of those uh, disagreements, if you will, uh, <laughs> via text, via phone calls or, or whatever to get on the same page so that everybody's pulling the same way on the rope when you get to September and October. Paul, you mentioned Paul Maurice earlier, and obviously, you know, you know Paul Maurice really well uh, throughout his time with the Jets and Jamie Compon as as well. We've got game four of the Stanley Cup final tonight, huge game three overtime victory with the Carter Verhage goal. I guess just how, how fun has it been to watch, you know, the Panthers run, you know, considering, you know, how, how you know, close you were with Maurice and and Jamie and just, you know, the way things ended here. We all know we don't have to go over that again. Uh, how things ended here in, in Winnipeg. And and I guess, do you think the Panthers are going to be able to uh, win tonight and, and make this a series? Because it looked like it might be a sweep uh, after those first two games in Vegas. I got a funny story for you. So I uh, I came home from baseball the other night during game three. And my wife, I on the way home, I had said, hey, do you have the game on? And she said, yes. And we've got an interesting kind of uh, setup for our, our NHL package where you can go back and watch games as well. So I get home. And it's 6-1 for Vegas. And I'm like, oh, game three, this is going to be a sweep. You know, and then I, I'm like, geez, I, I think I've seen this before. What's going on here? So it ends up, and then I, I get this notification on my phone because I'm just getting settled in the house. And I'll answer your question here in a second, Ezzy. Uh, but I get settled in the house, and then I get this notification saying that Matthew Kachuk is tied it. They're going to overtime. I'm like, what the heck is going on here? Anyway, so what, as it turned out, she had the rebroadcast of game two on. And I thought that game two was game three. So I ended up watching overtime and saw the Verhege goal. So, you know, uh, I, I want to see a good series. I think that's what we've got going on here. You know, 7-0 and in overtime for the Florida Panthers is unheard of. I think I remember that last run by a Canadian team to win the Stanley Cup in 1993 was the Montreal Canadiens. And they did something similar to that. Um, so anytime that you can win in overtime and be close that way, those overtime wins, they have a residual effect positively for you when you win them, negatively for the opposition. Listen, Paul Maurice has always talked that the Conn Smythe winner should be the guy that's standing there with goalie pads at the end of the, the series. And uh, Sergei Bobrovsky has been very good. There's no question about it. But they've also got role guys. Like Matthew Kachuk has really found another element in his career. Um, you know, he's scoring big goals. He's coming back from hits. He's, he's an agitator as well. You know, Sam Bennett and Reinhardt and the list goes on and Barkov and Radko Gudis and 
Brandon Montour has really established himself as a as a frontline defenseman. If you didn't know it before, you've certainly seen it in this series. And Vegas has their hands full. I will say this. Overall, I think Vegas is the better team. But when you have a team that the Cinderella Slipper has been fitting quite nicely through these Stanley Cup playoffs, don't count them out because all of a sudden they win tonight and the series is tied at two. It's a best of three. So from that standpoint, you know, we'll see what happens. But it's been a great run for the Florida Panthers. And I know that Paul Maurice and Jamie Compon have really enjoyed it. They've been instrumental in it. This is a team that got in on the last day of the regular season by one point, and here they are. So, you know, true adage of anything can happen when you get in, and they are proving that. Uh, but it's been a great series so far. Let's see what happens here tonight. And I would have to tell you that there, there's a lot of speculation about momentum, whether you get it from one game to another or whether it, it can happen uh, from one game uh, in a game to continue on. I do believe there is something to momentum. Uh, but if it gets quashed quickly tonight and goes in Vegas's favor, then they might have the opportunity to go up 3-1. If you can capitalize on winning in that emotional environment that you did for Florida a couple of nights ago into game four tonight, then you'll see what happens and you'll be in good stead to maybe tie the series. You know, Paul, you talk about the 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 defensemen for both of those teams in Vegas and, and in Florida. And we know that, you know, one of their attributes is their size and how difficult they make it to get to the front of the net and become a cliche at this point, you know, how about that. But then you look at the Jets and the Jets would certainly be what I would describe as undersized when you compare them at least to Florida or to Vegas. As all these trade machinations take place this summer for the Jets, do you think getting size or getting bigger on the back end could be uh, – there's a premium that Kevin Dayoff and his lieutenants would be would be looking at in terms of an acquisition? Well, the two size guys that I like on the back end is Brendan Dillon, and he's got one year left. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and when, uh, when you were looking for sort of an alternate captain to the alternate captains, he was that guy. Uh, Dylan Sandberg now is an RFA. You've got to get him signed because I like the way he played in the second half and on and, and into the postseason as well. So there's some size there. Um, But I I don't have a problem with guys that maybe are undersized that can move the puck, but how many of them, and I think this is where you're going, Drew, do you need on your six-man rotation of your blue line, right? Right. And so I think if you've got Neil Pionk and you've got Josh Morrissey, that's probably – you know, your saturation point is right there. So could you use another big tree? Well, Logan Stanley is also an RFA. I mean, he didn't exactly have a great year. Um, so what are you trying to do? Could you move him for another similar size guy? I don't know that you find a lot of six foot seven guys out there <laughs> that are available, but I know what you're saying. Six, two, six, three, yeah. you know, not an undersized puck moving defenseman. I think that there's a balance in the National Hockey League, this, this kind of era that we're involved in where you have to be kind of a defensive defenseman, but be able to move the puck. And then you have the next layer of those offensive defenseman type of guys, which Neil Pionk and and Josh Morrissey can be. So to be succinct in answering your question, there is some size back there. There is some puck moving defensemen. There is some offensive gifts that are available to the Winnipeg Jets when it comes to their blue line. But I think that they could be a little bit bigger and a little bit harder to play against when it comes mm-hmm. to, you know, down low in front of their net, below the goal line, in around that slot area for sure. So I think you're always looking uh, to upgrade your defensive core. Uh, one of the things that I think they could look for would be a, a larger right shot defenseman that would fit nicely into the into the uh, organizational system, especially now that you've lost Leon Gavanka. 
Paul, well, I'm not that, sure. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Dave. No, I was just going to say quickly, Paul, and that kind of leads into this idea that what are you going to do with all these surplus young guys who are on the left side and are more how you described similar, like a Declan Chisholm, who's a phenomenal skater, right? But is not necessarily the biggest. He's not afraid of. He doesn't shy away from from physicality, but he's not a big. He's not a. Nobody's going to confuse him with Brendan Dillon. Same with Billy Hainola, who you know, like I said in our exit meetings uh, at the end of the Moose season was phenomenal in terms of his determination but of course he's got the waiver exam status for one more year so what do you do with these types of guys because that's what you have really coming up and that's the guys who are going to populate potentially your system next year well i think you have to try to make some room for declan chisholm i mean he's had some really good years down in the american hockey league and it's about time right where he is in his age and his advancement in his career but i think it's okay like declan Declan moves the puck and skates well, but, you know, he can defend as well. I think that if you if you match these guys up, you know, if you have a Morrissey, a Pionk, and a Chisholm, if you match them up with a good defensive defenseman with a little bit more size, there's your balance, right? I don't have a problem with that. Um, so it's just a matter of finding the right guys to fit with those guys. And and certainly I think for Declan, if he, he does make the move to the National Hockey League as soon as maybe this year, well, it's defense being the priority for him. Although in his first game in Detroit, boy, he was up the ice and I was quite <laughs> surprised by what we saw there. But from that standpoint, I think you can find a balance with these guys. But there are some guys that are pushing from the Moose into the National Hockey League that you do have to think about making some room for them as you go along here uh, in your organizational depth and looking what you have and, and trying to advance and develop those guys. Paul, I wanted to ask you about the, the C, the C being captain because obviously you mentioned Brendan Dillon earlier and I and I'm not trying to put you on the spot here I'm not going to ask you who you think is going to be the captain because I think uh, you and most people would agree uh, it, it's going to come down to two guys and those guys are obviously Lowry and and Morrissey I mean to me I, I think either one of those guys would make an excellent captain and granted there are a lot of Jets fans maybe that you know don't don't pay attention to it as much, but there's a lot of Jets fans that are curious if the team will name a C and, and that's what I wanted to ask you are you expecting the Jets to name a captain next year, or or could they go into the season, you know, with multiple uh, uh, A's on on the jerseys? But I I, I do think that um, you know you would agree that it's we know who the who the candidates are. Yeah, I think that uh, you're going to see a captain be named this year. I think there was a bit of a feeling out process from Rick Bonus and his coaching staff to see who they had and and who kind of walked around the room and who was inclusive and. You know, one of the things that I've always talked about uh, when it comes to leadership with kids or or athletes, and, and that is, you know, yeah, you want to be a raw, raw guy and you want to be a performance guy, certainly on the ice uh, in this particular case. But you also have to be a guy that's inclusive and bringing people along. That's the best attribute to a leader that I think. Uh, goes first and foremost before anything else. Now, you don't have to be vocal, but you have to be a guy that everybody gravitates to and is polarizing for all the right reasons. And I think your guy there is certainly Adam Lowry. Everybody gets along with him. He plays hard. Everybody has the respect of Adam Lowry. And that's the other thing, too, is does he have the respect in the room? And I don't think you would find one player in the entire organization that doesn't have the respect for Adam Lowry. I think Adam Lowry... Or, or, or the, the entire league, right, Paul? Like, well, that's true. Right, yeah. yeah, the entire league. I think Adam Lowry will be the captain of this team. I've said it before. I've gone on record and said that. Um, and I, I think it's only a matter of time before they name him the captain. 
Josh Morrissey certainly is going to be an assistant. And then you're going to see exactly who might be another assistant as you go along, like Mark Shifley still is, but his status is in question, whether it's going to be a long-term contract or, or whether he gets moved or he wants to be moved. Like there's all kinds of things up in the air, but the one thing that is definitive is that Adam Lowry is signed, sealed and delivered here for the next several years. And I think based on that contractual status, his commitment to the city and to the province and to the organization, I think that Adam Lowry makes a very good captain for the Winnipeg Jets for a lot of different reasons, including the inclusivity that I've talked about. Paul Edmonds of CJOB Radio is our guest on this Saturday morning edition of the Illegal Curve Hockey Show, talking about the Winnipeg Jets, all the news, all the noise circulating around the hometown team. Now, Paul, I'm not going to ask you to break down Brad Lambert's games in the WHL or in the yep. Memorial Cup, but I will. T- I know you're a big fan of of the WHL and what they what they can produce and what they can do for young men to get to that next level. And we saw a guy in Brad Lambert, the 2022 first rounder of the Winnipeg Jets. You know, try he was obviously playing with the pro game in in Finland, started with the AHL, went to the Seattle Thunderbirds, had a phenomenal season. And and one thing that I think is is being missed a little bit was the fact that the move to center. I'm not saying he's going to be a center in the NHL, but even when I had Craig Eisinger on with me, you know, a few weeks back, he said that's not something they necessarily would have seen or tried at the AHL level. So how good do you think this year has been for Brad Lambert in terms of his development as a prospect for the organization? Tremendous for a couple of reasons. Maybe the positional switch, uh, the ability to play on a championship team. That never hurts. Of course, you learn how to win as well, right? You know, they always say you kind of learn how to lose. Well, you learn how to win as well when you are on good teams. Um, I think the North American game has helped him. I think the playing and learning the language of English, because let's face it, finishes his second language or his first language. English was his second just the whole cultural thing here, I think, was important for Brad's development as well uh, and understanding the smaller ice surface in the game. And, you know, along the road, it's been kind of bumpy for him, especially in international tournaments a couple of times where he didn't play for Finland in some important games and was scratched. Well, that never happened. You watch the two games that the T-Birds played against the ice here in that Western Hockey League final round, and he was as dynamic as they come. And that's kind of what I'm basing on. I mean, I watched all of that that series um, on television as well and then through the Memorial Cup. And, you know, I mean, as a team, I think Seattle probably had their worst game uh, outside of maybe game one against the ice in the Western Hockey League final in the final against Quebec, right? Yeah. Like they just couldn't do anything right. But, you know, notwithstanding that, overall, I think the playoff run for Brad Lambert and then certainly into the M Cup was was very advantageous for his career. And will he make a move now uh, to full-time NHL status or to the to the professional ranks with the Moose? Uh, I think there's a possibility there, but I think that this year served him very, very well. And looking back on it, if you probably pump some truth serum into him, he would probably say the exact same thing. Uh, where he plays, I'm not so sure. But when you skate that fast and you can read the ice as well as he did, at least at the major junior level, level I think that a move into – the middle of the ice probably isn't a bad situation, especially when we're talking about the uncertainty of your center ice position in Pierre-Luc Dubois <laughs> and Mark Shifley. You know, what happens with Nemesnikov? I'd love to see him get re-signed by the Winnipeg Jets because he's some nice just-in-case, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you're trying to develop some of these guys, and let's not forget that that uh, Brad Lambert's a right-handed shot as well. Um, so if Mark Shifley's soon to be moving down the road, and that's your right-handed shot defenseman, or pardon me, your centerman, 
then you've got another one coming up in the wings here. And uh, it's not bad to have that kind of depth uh, looking forward when there are going to be some pieces that are probably moved in a little bit of a different phase to the Winnipeg Jets this coming season. Last question for you, Paulie. We've talked about Pierre-Luc Dubois. We've talked about Hellebuck. We've talked about Shifley. We haven't yet talked about Blake Wheeler. He's arguably got the le- the least of the four, the most, uh, the least appeal uh, on a trade market given his salary. Not to say that he can't be moved, but you know, do you see? Do you foresee a situation in which Blake Wheeler returns to the Winnipeg Jets, especially given how the season ended last year? I mean, his performance on the ice during the final, during the the series against Vegas, was admirable. Nobody has a problem with that he was one of the Jets best forwards if not their best forward during the series but then with all the 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 post series shenanigans and comments and everything else is it time to just sort of rip off that band-aid and move on or do you foresee a way he still is a member of the Winnipeg Jets come training camp well you're absolutely right 16 goals during the regular season and he didn't play in all the games I mean yeah. you know from that standpoint uh yeah he comes back from from a let's call it a groin injury, <laughs> you know, and had 16 goals, and you know he was one of the one of the more hard nosed players throughout that entire series right. against Vegas. I mean, you know, he kind of proved his worth. Now, is it worth 8.2 million dollars? I'm not so sure. I mean, I don't, I can't make that determination. But there was value that you got from Blake Wheeler. Now, if you want to move him, who's out there and who's going to take that salary? And would you have to retain some of it? Those are all kinds of questions. Do I see him returning to the Winnipeg Jets for his final year of this contract that he signed? I would be 50-50. And that's not a cop-out. That's just saying, okay, well, you know, maybe there's a little bit of come to everybody moment here. And Blake says, I'd like to finish my career there. This will be my last year. We don't know that. I'm just speculating. It would be important for me to finish as a Winnipeg Jet. Um, You know, maybe he and Bones have, had some great conversations over the course of this uh, off season. And, you know, Bone says, well, maybe I was a little out of line. And Blake says, yes, so was I. And let's shake hands and let's kind of move along. Or are you looking for something a little bit different in your dressing room? Because it was revealed that despite the fact, Drew, that he did not wear the C this past year, that he was still very influential in that dressing room, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, I mean, I remember Dustin Bufflin saying uh, one time, it doesn't matter who wears a letter, this room is still mine, right? So, you know, that's kind of what we got with Blake Wheeler a little bit or what what was revealed at the end of the year with Blake Wheeler. Um, I still think Blake has a value uh, turning, I think it's going to be 37 uh, this coming August. So uh, from or 36 this coming August. So from that standpoint, is there still something left in the tank? Yeah, we saw that. I don't think that your skills diminish over the course of one full year, uh, that dramatically where you couldn't put up something uh, similar to what you did last year. Uh, I think it's just a matter of what happens in advance of Blake Wheeler, that being PLD, that being Connor Hellebuck, maybe Mark Shifley or whatever, as to how you make your determination as to whether Blake Wheeler is part of your team this coming season or not. Paul Edmonds is the radio voice of the Winnipeg Jets on our friends at CJOB Radio. Paul, tell Nolan to hit us a home run. One for each of the three of us. If I, I will do that. I Paul, will do the that. other. He, he just sorry, walked. He just, he just walked. walked. Okay. Well, that's good. He's got a good, he's got a high on base percentage. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Better than his old man. You're right. Like, yeah, the... Paul, anyway. Anything? Yeah. Thanks, guys. My, my pleasure. Thanks it's so much pleasure. for jumping on, Paulie. Yeah. No Take problem. Care. Talk yeah, to you guys again, again anytime. Okay, Thank bye. you, Paulie. Thanks, Paul.
There he goes. Paul Edmonds joining us this morning. Great interview as always. There he goes, and there I go. See you all later. Got to go. Dave's out too. Dave's got Dave's got another obligation. He's got a priority more than us on this Saturday morning. Can you believe it? I can't believe it. Ezzy, I'm shocked that Dave. And my ride's already here. I got the allure of the ride. Have fun at the bar mitzvah, Dave. Yes. I'm out. Bye, Dave. We'll see you later. There he goes. Paul Edmonds goes. Dave Manute goes. It's the Ginsburg and Mendel show. About time we can drive this train home for the next hour or so. Dylan Sandberg still to join us at the bottom of the hour. Much more to come. It's the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. We're live on our YouTube channel and all of our social media platforms. Keeping Winnipeg laughing for over 30 years. Rumors, Canada's longest-running comedy club, bringing you the biggest laughs from the best comedians on the planet. Jerry Seinfeld, Chris Rock, John Stewart, Dennis Miller, Brad Garrett, the greats, and all the up-and-comers, too. When was the last time you laughed out loud? Make it a great night out with friends or book your office or birthday party. Even a fundraising event at Rumors. Get all the details and dates on upcoming shows at RumorsComedyClub.com. Hi, Ez. A strange question for you. But why are you lying on the ground being crushed by a piano? Well, Drew, I definitely tried to carry this baby grand piano down the stairs by myself, and somehow I failed miserably. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, that was a silly question on my part. My apologies. Would you like me to call Rolly's Transfer Moving and Storage to help you move the piano? They are the most experienced piano moving company in Winnipeg, after all. Yes, please call Rollies and hurry. This piano is very, very heavy. Rollies Transfer Moving and Storage offers stress-free residential moving services while taking great care of your personal belongings, including your piano. At Rollies, no job is too big or too small. For more information, visit Rollies.com. Hi, it's Drew from Illegal Curve here. Selling your home can be stressful, but it wasn't for me. Thanks to my friends at Zapia Group Realty, they made the process so easy. My home sold within 48 hours and with multiple offers. Zapia Group Realty took care of everything with their exquisite customer service and attention to detail. If you want to sell your home for more in less time, get started by talking to Frank and Mauro Zapia of Zapia Group Realty. Online at zapiagroup.com. Hey, Drew. Ezzy, whoa, what a smile. Yeah, I got my crowns done at Linden Market Dental Center, and they whiten my teeth. I see. They're so bright that every time I smile, they go, We have hockey tonight. Do you have a mouth guard to protect those pearly whites? I sure do. Whoa, they even ting through the mouth guard. Linden Market Dental Center covers all your dental needs, from restorative to cosmetic dentistry, and will fit you with a sports guard for that active lifestyle. 877 Waverly. See LindenMarketDental.com. Boston Pizza harnessed Fanalytics to help optimize no-look dipping. Ooh, making adjustments so you can stay focused on the game. The playoffs at Boston Pizza, powered by Fanalytics. Hour number two of the Illegal Curve Hockey Show starts now. Finally, the brains of the operation are alone. We don't have the hanger on trying to ride our coattails to his fame and glory any longer. Dave Manuk departing after the halfway mark of the show. And it's time for the Ginsburg and Mendel duo to drive this train home. I like it. 
I exactly. I like it too. And no, all you people in the chat, I can see the comments. No, you all can't leave just because Dave left. You have to sit here and be miserable with Ezzy and I because that's what we expect of you on a, on a, each and every Saturday morning basis. I knew Dave was popular, but we lost like 150 people there. It's unbelievable. <laughs> like I thought, you know, people would still stick with us with I, Dylan Sandberg to- coming up, but obviously not. Yeah, YouTube canceled our show. I didn't know YouTube could could cancel shows, but apparently they can. Just because Dave leaves, they're already threatening to pull the plug on us, which is uh, which is hard to believe. Some harsh treatment by our friends at YouTube, but that's uh, that's okay. Nonetheless, we uh, we appreciate Dave joining us for the hour. And yes, circumstances be uh, being what they are, sometimes things arise on, the, on a Saturday morning, and he has to depart, and we'll forgive him for that on this one time and one time only occasion. As he the topic du jour for the show, of course, had been Pierre-Luc Dubois, and it still is Pierre-Luc Dubois, and his demand to no longer be a member of the Winnipeg Jets, but breaking about, you know, 30 minutes ago, 40 minutes ago, courtesy of our friends at The Athletic, the comment being, there should be no confusion about whether Connor Hellebuck has interest in signing an extension in Winnipeg. That ship has sailed. His next contract will be with a new team. So as Paul Edmonds said in that interview, clarity coming towards the Winnipeg Jets in knowing which of the core four, or that's, I guess, a Maple Leafs term, which of the four uh, question marks this offseason of Hellebuck, Shifley, Wheeler, and Dubois are going to be members of the Winnipeg Jets. And it's evident so far that both Hellebuck and Dubois have indicated they no longer want to be here or will no longer be here after their contracts expire at the end of the 2023-24 season. Can you foresee a scenario, Ezzy, where the Jets go into the season with Connor Hellebuck still as their goaltender? Or does that need to get resolved as well in the next little bit? Yeah, of course there's a, there's a chance, right? Like with this new this news is is huge and that's why yeah. we brought it up. Dave brought it up uh basically 5 or 10 minutes into the show well, as you it just, just came out right? while while we were yeah. Yeah, it it's this morning. Like, it's not yeah. like this news it's not like, you know, people have been sitting on this news for a while. Um so it doesn't mean that Hellbuck's going to be traded tomorrow or a week from now or or even 4 weeks from now, right? Yeah. Um but it definitely seems like the likelihood of him being traded is much higher than it was you know, just, uh, you know, a few hours ago. Right. And, and, and people are already speculating and, and, you know, us included by the way. Uh, and there's teams that you know clearly will be looking to acquire him. Right. Like there's, this just doesn't happen very often. We've talked about that. You just don't see a guy that's been nominated for the Vesna, a, a top three, if not, you know, number one goaltender in the entire league. Uh, you just don't see these guys become available, especially in the prime of their career. Right. Drew, so, I mean, there's there's going to be teams like, you know, we talked about the LA Kings who traded Cal Peterson, obviously, who's now a member of the Flyers. Um, you know, Carter Hart, it looks like, you know, he's not, um, you know, necessarily the number one goaltender there anymore. You have the New Jersey Devils, who obviously Akira Schmid was a, was a great story. And, you know, he led them to the second round of the playoffs. But, um, you know, there's going to be much, much more teams, in my opinion, that are going to be after him. Like, I... I you know, with when you're talking about Hellebuck, it's possible half the league, you know, is calling Shovel Day off right now. So, yeah, there's absolutely a chance, Drew, that, you know, he's a member of the Jets, you know, come training camp and, you know, earlier in, in the regular season. I I mean, 
are you going to go down that route where, you know, you keep Hellebuck and then trade him before the trade deadline? Like, it seems unlikely. Well, so it does seem like a think. trade's coming. And, and also, by the way, too, it's not like, you know, Kevin Sheveldayoff and the Jets management group just found out that Hellebuck isn't interested in an extension. This was just made, as you said, I mean, Pierre Lebrun is is the messenger here. Well, I mean, Lebrun, Lebrun right? Dehatchik, and Russo are the authors of the piece. Right. And yeah, yeah exactly. Um, but when you're talking about, uh, sorry, I was talking more about Dubois there. Right. Okay, uh, sorry, uh, sorry, we were we were on Hellebuck, but I was talking more about um, Dubois. But when it comes to to Hellebuck, sorry to switch on you there, Drew. But yeah, when it comes to Hellebuck, um, well, I was trying to think as you talk about Hellebuck and you talk about trading goaltenders. When was the sure. last time a a star goaltender was traded midseason? You know, you know, and really made an impact on the on the acquiring team. I mean, the last big goal it hasn't been for a while, Drew. Like, I, I honestly, I'm struggling to. I would say Ryan Miller from Buffalo to St. Louis. I mean, I know that Mark Andre Fleury was traded at the deadline, but you know, but these are guys that weren't in the prime at that point. Like Ryan Ryan Miller was, I guess you could argue he was still in his prime, but how old he was still in early 30s, right? No, like, and Hellbuck's from... a little bit earlier. I mean, yeah, I guess Miller might have been in his early twenty, late 20s. Yeah. Um, but but still, like Mark Andre Fleury was definitely older, and even yeah. though he was an excellent goaltender, especially uh, for the Golden Knights in that 2018 cup final run. Um, I mean, Fleury had already won multiple Stanley cups and, you know, so it has happened before and you have to wonder, like, are we talking about, um, you know, a goaltender and, and, and prospects here? Because I don't think there's a trade out there. I mean, there might be, but I think it's going to be harder to find a one for one uh, trade here. Like we've talked about it, like the likelihood of, you know, Hellbuck being traded for UC Soros or Igor Shesterkin, or, you know, a lot of people are talking about the Bruins. They've already got a really good goalie in Linus Allmark, and Jeremy Swayman's also a really good goalie. So could the could the Bruins acquire him? Sure. No, I, I think the Hurricane, the, the, Hurricanes, the, the Hurricanes are a team that I think must be interested. The Devils, I would imagine, are interested, and for sure the LA Kings. You'd have to think that the LA Kings are interested just because they just traded Cal Peterson, and now I think he was making $5 million a year, so mm. now they have that cap room. But I mean, wow. it's hard but to really... use that cap room already to sign Gavrikov. So I mean, their cap room is 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 you know. The, the I'm just talking about the money they've allotted for their their goaltending. But you're right. I mean, right. they did just sign Gavrikov. But you'd have to think the Kings. I mean, that's the thing. I think ten to fifteen teams uh, you, you could name might be interested in Hellebuck. He's that yeah. good, right? Like, oh, mm -hmm. do, do you want a Vesna caliber goalie? Oh no, I don't. I don't. Why would I want a Vesna Vesna caliber goalie? Right. So um, there's no doubt that the interest is going to be high. All I'm saying is I think it's tough to um necessary it's tough to handicap it in the sense that uh, like who the favorite is Pierre-Luc Dubois clearly has shown interest in in going to Montreal so the Canadians are the favorite to land Dubois when it right. comes to Hellebuck I mean your your guess is as good as mine Drew well and that's sort of where the Jets you know again I wouldn't say they have leverage per se but they have you know with Dubois it's everyone has assumed everyone's figured that it's basically Montreal or bust so it boxes in Kevin Sheveldayoff with Hellebuck you know, there, there isn't the same restrictions. It's basically, you know, it's not that he's said, I want to go to only X city. Likely he wants to go back to his, uh, the United States. I think that's probably a reasonable expectation that his desired, uh, his desired destination would be somewhere south of the border, which is you know true for right. a lot of players. The Red Wings are obviously a team that have been rumored just because he's from Michigan. But right. again, we have absolutely no idea. It depends. Like you said, Drew, Chevy's going to get the best possible return he can whether that includes a goalie or not. 
Yeah, I, I, exactly. I mean, and I don't think you, well, I can understand why you would say you you need a goalie. There's no question you need a goalie at some point this offseason because take away Connor Hellebuck and the Jets have the worst goaltending situation probably in the entire league. Uh, you know, they, they just don't have uh, anybody ready to step into that role. But I think when you're, when you're acquired, when you're making that trade, you're you're getting the best possible players back. It doesn't have to be a goalie in return. It can be uh, you just want to get the best players you can get from whatever team, and then you can find a goalie in a separate transaction. Dubois might a- be traded for a goalie, honestly. Like it's possible that the Jets trade Hellebuck for a center, and then they trade Dubois for a goalie, right? So you're absolutely right. It's not necessarily going to be position for position. It's really or tough. Should it be. Right. No. But you do need to you, you will need to address the goaltending situation. I'm not sure what the status of Steve Mason or Andre Pavlik is at this point in time, but I'm pretty sure that that ship has sailed. Al Montoya is available. <laughs> there you go. My tongue was firmly in cheek there, folks. Let me just make that clear. I know that sometimes sarcasm doesn't translate very well, but then my tongue was firmly in cheek there. Uh, but you know, you, the Jets are obviously now going to add. You know, you have you know, the, the priority list of this off season, which is already lengthy to begin now is going to include, you know, getting a goaltender. And is that mean you get a goaltender from another team that's maybe got a disgruntled goaltender that's looking for a change of scenery perhaps, but that doesn't necessarily have anything to do with the Connor Hellebuck trade. Hellebuck trade could help you address what's going to become your, your evident deficiency up the middle. To your point, it doesn't have to be position for position. If all of a sudden Connor Hellebuck can uh, get you a, a a top center, and all of a sudden if Pierre Luc Dubois can get you a uh, can get you a, a a a top four defenseman, whatever. I'm just speculating here, folks. Then maybe you're beginning to retool on the fly. And you don't have to do any of those other R-E words that have been bandied about so much. There are multiple jigsaw pieces at play here. And it's incumbent on Kevin Sheveldayoff to play his hand correctly. He misplayed his hand, in my estimation, when it comes to Pierre-Luc Dubois. You cannot recreate that when it comes to Connor Hellebuck you still have a fair bit of leverage here with Connor Hellebuck. You have a desirable asset. He is under contract. It's not like he's an RFA or anything like Dubois is. He's under contract for one year at a very appealing price. You can trade him and you should be able to generate the proverbial king's ransom. Absolutely. Or a guy. No pun intended. No pun intended there. Exactly. For a guy who has been a perennial Vesna Trophy winning or Vesna Trophy candidate goaltender. And just because he hasn't had the great deal of success come playoff time recently, that doesn't preclude him, that shouldn't preclude teams, I don't think will preclude teams from really getting uh, into what's happening, uh, you know, to, to interested in acquiring him. Because we've seen so many regular season teams that are trying to get over the hump, that are trying to get over the cusp and becoming uh, and becoming a playoff team. Hello, Buffalo, for example. Ariella, sorry, Ariella is showing me the birthday card. She's going to a birthday party today, Wonderful. so she's showing me the card. I love it, Ariella. It's a very nice card. Say hi to everybody. 
Hi, okay. sweetie. Did you, you did you make me a card also or no? Did you make Drew a card? Where's Dave Manuk? Dave Manuk. That's what everybody wants to know. Dave's at a bot, Dave went to a bot mitzvah, so he was only on for half the show. There you go. Where's Dave yeah. Manuk? I'm here, and and and, and Ariel is saying, yeah. "Where's Dave Manuk?" Go find mommy. I love the card. Bye. Story of my uh, story of my life, right there. No, everyone's asking where's Dave Manuk. Nobody ever asked where's Drew Mandel. Uh, but my point is, as a you know, for for Hellebuck, the team should be lining up and should be willing to pay a hefty price for him because of his regular season success. Team like Buffalo, team like New Jersey, all these teams that are just almost seem like they are the Kings who seem like they're on the cusp of a, of a Vesna ca caliber goaltender should really uh, make it so that Kevin Sheveldayoff has his pick of the litter when it comes to acquiring, uh, when it comes to a, a Hellebuck trade. Yeah. And, and to your point, I mean, we talked about a team like Carolina, uh, possibly acquiring him and maybe not re-signing him, right? Like this isn't a guarantee that right. it, the team that acquires him immediately signs him to an eight-year deal or a five to seven year deal or, or whatever, but you're absolutely right. This is much different than the Dubois situation. And also, you know, as, as part of that, because of the fact that this hasn't been something that has been ongoing for over a year, right? Like we know that Pierre-Luc Dubois has wanted out of Winnipeg. Um, I mean, we've heard all the reports. We haven't heard it from Dubois himself, but now through Pierre Lebrun, through Pat Brisson, we know that a one-year contract isn't going to be signed again making, you know, Dubois in the last year, uh, you know, before he becomes a UFA, right? So you're absolutely right. Like, Connor Hellebuck is going to get an excellent return. And we've talked about it. Like, all of the big trades, Chevy has got uh, really good returns. When you're talking about whether it's Jacob Truba or Andrew Kopp going all the way back to, you know, the Evander Kane trade. Um, but you're absolutely right, Drew, when you talk about, you know, the Jets possibly, you know, without David Riddick, because he only signed the one-year deal. Right. Um, and, and uh, you know, the other thing I wanted to mention, too, here, we were talking about, you know, could Hellebuck be traded uh, to a team and a goalie doesn't come, come back the other way? Of course. Yeah. And the UFA market is, it, like, first off, the Jets haven't dipped into the UFA market a lot to address their needs. It's been through drafting and, and trading. Um, but you do have a few goalies out there that, you know, could – uh, it's play, a pretty thin know, UFA market. Like, McKinney no, no, it absolutely is, but is like, the, you know, is well, the star well, of the yeah, UFA. Yeah, goalies. but you know, you've got guys like Anti Ranta. Uh, you know, you've got um, uh, whom I, I was just thinking of somebody, uh, Tristan Jari. And again, these are not guys that are better than Hellebuck. That's right. not what I'm saying. But you have legitimate number one goaltenders, like uh, goaltenders. We'll say yeah, whatever you want. I mean, look at this Jets team, though. As he take put Tristan Jari. In goal instead of Connor Hellebuck for this Jets team. I mean, no, I no, I absolutely yeah. agree. I mean, th they would be one A options, right? Like you would still have to have a, a legitimate backup. You're not going to go into next year with a young starting goalie and Arvid Holm. Like that's just not going to happen. I think Arvid Holm might be ready for backup duty at the NHL level, but he's definitely not a guy that you can expect to play 40 games at the NHL level. I'm just saying that is an option here um, in terms of a Hellebuck trade. I mean, there's. It, it, it's tough. To, we don't even know, you know, who the, the teams that are really at the forefront of acquiring him are, right? But you would have to think, though, that a veteran goaltender is going to come back in a trade. But I'm just saying, I think, you know, you probably will see the Jets acquire a goaltender on the UFA market, but it's most likely going to be uh, for the backup role. Well, you know, it, 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 it's the Jets without Connor Hellebuck are a completely different team, a completely 
the the effectiveness of this team is completely different as well. What you need with all, if if Connor Hellebuck is gone, and based on that report from earlier today, you'd have to assume that the writing is on the wall when it comes to Hellebuck's future here in Winnipeg. You have to insulate your goaltender a lot better than you have over the last number of years. You can't strictly rely on Connor Hellebuck to save the day anymore. You can't, yeah. It just doesn't work anymore. Ruben agrees. Uh, Ruben, that's great. I'm, I'm thrilled that Ruben agrees with me. He's very wise and very smart, so I don't doubt that uh, in, in the least bit that he's making well-articulated comments. My kids but, don't want me to do the show alone. That's basically what they've decided today, Drew, but that's good. he's, that's he's good. now left the room, so I think we're good. That's good. That's considerate of him that he, that he left the room. I, I, I appreciate that from him. But if my point is the Jets need to have a way better defense if you're going to take such a dramatic step back when it comes to your goaltending. And there's been no evidence that this Jets team has currently constructed, and we know it's going to be constructed in a sizably different manner, is it has the ability to play that better defense. You have to sort of adopt the Vegas style, which is we're going to make it – we're going to let the goaltender – uh, you know, we're, we're not going to have a big name goaltender, but we're going to have such a good defense that we make it easier on the well, goaltender to do his job, which is right. really the opposite of what the Jets have done, which is we're going to rely on our goaltender uh, to to keep us in games night in and night out uh, because we, we're lacking in so many other areas. So that it has to be a complete uh, think shift as to how the Jets exactly. consider their construction of their team in light of this news. Absolutely. And, and you know, further to your point, um, when you're talking about the defense, we know that there's going to be, you know, some movement. I don't, we don't know necessarily who it's going to be, but we know the Jets are much stronger on the left side. And, you know, you have a decision to make on a Logan Stanley, for example, uh, Vili Hainala. I mean, we've talked about it. I mean, training camp is really going to determine most likely, you know, if he sticks up with the Jets and how many games he plays with the Jets. But you're absolutely right, Drew. I mean, when you're talking about your, whether you call Dubois the number one center or the number two center, and then you're talking about Hellebuck, who has been the franchise goalie now, you know, since what, 2016, 2017? Like, there is going to be not just a switch in personnel, but I think, you know, the way the Jets play. I don't think it's going to be, you know, dramatic or anything like that. But when you're talking about, um, you know, when you're talking about some of these players, um, Ruben wants to come back. What do you want to say, Rube? I think you're going right away. Go find mommy, okay? Ruby, uh, daddy's got to do the show, okay? Um, yeah, I it's told nice you. They still like you. My, my, I don't think my kids like me that much anymore. I think that's the big difference, is your kids are still interested in spending quality time with you. They want to know what daddy's doing. They want to know where daddy's at. My kids are like, eh, we'll see you when you come back upstairs, dad. It's no big deal. You can take an extra hour. We'll be fine. Well, the funniest thing is, as you know, like you're with your kids all the time, and sometimes, yeah. you know, you just you want to take a break, but then when you're away from your kids for three or four hours, you're like, "This is boring. I miss the kids, right?" So, uh, yeah, it's kind of a you know we're tortured souls, Drew, as as parents, pretty much. Uh, but it's the best thing ever. But obviously, Ruben wants some more uh, mic time now that Dave M isn't on with us. But yeah, this I mean, opportunity. this is huge, right? And you know, you mentioned speculation, and there's been no shortage of speculation when it comes to Pierre Luc Dubois. And now with this news coming from Pierre Lebrun and and Eric D and Michael Russo. There's just going to be more speculation now when it comes to to Connor Hellebuck. Like, if you think about it, the entire hockey world is is watching the Jets right now. Like, right? We've seen a, a few mm-hmm. trades. Uh, we saw the three way trade uh, between Philly, LA, and Columbus. And obviously, you mentioned earlier the Damon Severson sign and trade, um, yeah. the the reverse sign and trade, if you want to call it that, because uh, the Devils signed him. But uh, 
and then you know, there's going to be movement. I mean, there's no more speculation in terms of you know whether or not there there's going to be movement amongst the core four. Now the question is, is it going to be all four of these guys as opposed to you know is it just going to be one or two? Because the writing is on the wall with 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 Hellebuck deciding not to sign a contract extension with the Jets. Uh, I think it's even though I think I wouldn't be shocked if he's a member of the Jets at the beginning of the 23-24 season. Um, it's looking more and more unlikely at this point. Let's take an early break. Dylan Sandberg is going to join us at the bottom of the hour, so I want to make sure that we're queued up and ready to go for Dylan. So we'll take a bit of an earlier break than we normally do at this time. Jets defenseman Dylan Sandberg coming up in about six, seven minutes' time. Much more Jets talk to come as well. It's a very busy Saturday morning edition of the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. We're live on all of our social media platforms. Keeping Winnipeg laughing for over 30 years. Rumors, Canada's longest-running comedy club, bringing you the biggest laughs from the best comedians on the planet. Jerry Seinfeld, Chris Rock, John Stewart, Dennis Miller, Brad Garrett, the greats, and all the up-and-comers, too. When was the last time you laughed out loud? Make it a great night out with friends or book your office or birthday party. Even a fundraising event at Rumors. Get all the details and dates on upcoming shows at RumorsComedyClub.com. Hi, Ez. A strange question for you. But why are you lying on the ground being crushed by a piano? Well, Drew, I definitely tried to carry this baby grand piano down the stairs by myself, and somehow I failed miserably. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. That was a silly question on my part. My apologies. Would you like me to call Rolly's Transfer Moving and Storage to help you move the piano? They are the most experienced piano moving company in Winnipeg, after all. Yes, please call Rollies and hurry. This piano is very, very heavy. Rollies Transfer Moving and Storage offers stress-free residential moving services while taking great care of your personal belongings, including your piano. At Rollies, no job is too big or too small. For more information, visit Rollies.com. Hi, it's Drew from Illegal Curve here. Selling your home can be stressful, but it wasn't for me. Thanks to my friends at Zapia Group Realty, they made the process so easy. My home sold within 48 hours and with multiple offers. Zapia Group Realty took care of everything with their exquisite customer service and attention to detail. If you want to sell your home for more in less time, get started by talking to Frank and Mauro Zapia of Zapia Group Realty. Online at zapiagroup.com. Hey, Drew. Ezzy, whoa, what a smile. Yeah, I got my crowns done at Linden Market Dental Center, and they whiten my teeth. I see. They're so bright that every time I smile, they go, We have hockey tonight. Do you have a mouth guard to protect those pearly whites? I sure do. Whoa, they even ting through the mouth guard. Linden Market Dental Center covers all your dental needs, from restorative to cosmetic dentistry, and will fit you with a sports guard for that active lifestyle. 877 Waverly. See LindenMarketDental.com. Boston Pizza harnessed Fanalytics to help optimize no-look dipping. Ooh, making adjustments so you can stay focused on the game. The playoffs of Boston Pizza, powered by Fanalytics. Welcome back to the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. Drew Mandel, Ezra Ginsberg with you on this Saturday morning. We're thrilled to welcome to the program Winnipeg Jets defenseman Dylan Samberg. Dylan, good morning. Nice and prompt. I appreciate that. Are you the kind of guy who's usually on ice, you know, 10, 15 minutes before practice begins? Because I got to tell you, in my experience with uh, professional athletes, getting somebody five minutes early does not necessarily happen every day. First of all, thanks for having me, guys. But uh, 
Yeah, I guess this year, especially with uh, warming up Hellebuck, I had to get on the ice pretty early. So I guess I just got used to it. Yeah, the, well, we appreciate you joining us nice and early. You know, you mentioned, you know, what's that like warming up, you know, Connor Hellebuck? I mean, there's so we spent a lot of today's show talking about Connor Hellebuck, his future in Winnipeg. Of course, he's uh, a year away from unrestricted free agency, but you guys obviously have that sort of close bond. How did that, how did that come to be? How did that, uh, how did you end up getting that uh, sort of honor, uh, let's say? Um, it was early on in the year. Uh I got on the ice early and they were looking for a shooter. So I said I'd, I'd shoot on him. And uh, I guess he liked the way I was shooting on him. So I just decided to stick with me the rest of the year. And I started to enjoy it as well. But, you know, right off right off the hop, it was like, this is crazy. I'm shooting on a Vesna winning goalie. And that it took some time to get over that. But once I got over that, it was good. And uh, it became really easy because we bond over fishing and hunting and stuff like that. And, and Connor, Connor knew that you weren't going to keep, you were going to keep that puck low, right? He knew he, you weren't going to bring it above the waist, right? Yeah. I, I made sure I kept it away from his, from his face. Is is that the big off season uh, activity for you? Hunting, fishing? Is that, is that generally how you're spending the off season? In addition to, of course, all whatever training you're doing? Uh, yeah, I like, well, hunting, uh, that's more of in the fall. Right. I want to get back up into Winnipeg, but uh, as far as fishing, yeah, I love to fish. So uh, my dad and I are heading up to Lake of the Woods, actually, uh, end of June here Wonderful. for a nice little trip. But uh, I also like to golf as well. And um, pretty much that's about it, golfing and fishing. <laughs> not, not not a bad way to spend the offseason, I would say. But you also took a bit of a European vacation. And that was part of the reason why we wanted to talk to you, your experience playing for Team USA over at the World Hockey Championships. I mean, those of us in North America, I don't think we really appreciate or really understand just how big of a deal the world hockey championships are, uh, you know, over in Europe. So I, 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 this is your first time, I believe at the world hockey championships, you have international experience playing in the world juniors, of course, but just sort of, how would you summarize your time? How would you sum up your time and the just experience in general playing for team USA this, uh, this past uh, spring over overseas? It was awesome. I, uh, I enjoyed every second of it and, uh, it was cool. We got to see some, some cool places along the way. We started in Munich, Germany, and then uh, finally went on to Finland, but uh, yeah, you know any any chance you can get to play for your country, uh, it's definitely really special. And you know I cherish that. And I was fortunate enough that we had a we had a really good group there that connected right up, right away, right off the hop. And you know we uh, we had a really good preliminary round. Um, first one of our, the first U.S. team to ever go seven and zero, which was really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, the medal rounds didn't go as planned or how we wanted it to go, but overall it was a great experience. I'm glad I went. You know, Dylan, you mentioned you mentioned the preliminary round. We have to talk about the overtime goal. I think you knew that that question was coming because you know we were sharing that on the illegal curve. Uh, well, I think all Jets fans were sharing that on their social media accounts. A huge goal. It was against uh, Sweden. I believe that was the game, uh, the last game before the quarterfinals. As you mentioned, the U.S. was was undefeated. Like, just take us back because I mean, obviously, you know, the team success uh, is is paramount, right? But that must have just been an incredible feeling for you to score that OT winner. Yeah, it was uh, it was very cool, and you know it was it was good for our team, but uh, yeah, it was just uh, I'm not much of a three on three guy, so <laughs> I just uh, looked at one of the guys in our team, Pernovich, and told me because he's more of a three on three kind of player like that, and I I was like, what do I do out there? He goes, just keep moving your feet, and you'll be fine. And sure enough, it worked out. So. There you go. That's uh, it seems like a pretty good three on three philosophy. Uh, yeah. Whenever it's happening, Winnipeg Jets defenseman Dylan Sandberg, our guest on the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. Have you scored an OT, an OT winner before that? 
Uh, I did in, in high school. In high school. Uh, that would, that would have been the last one. Yep. <laughs> and I'm sure the feeling is uh, just as ecstatic in high school or as a professional, you know, when you, uh, when the, when, the, when you see, turn around and you see your teammates coming to swarm you, it's got to feel, uh, got to feel pretty special. Yeah, that it was, it was awesome. And uh, that was good for USA hockey. Uh, you know, to see, I feel like every year we're climbing the ranks, you know, uh, on the world ranking there in, in for the world. But uh, you know, that was, that was a really special moment. And uh, I was glad as I was glad I was there to, to have it happen to me. So, obviously, the, the World Hockey Championships, you know, are, are a different animal than the NHL. You play on the bigger ice surface, all that jazz. But you know, what can you take? What can you learn from that kind of experience that then translate to helping your game at the NHL level uh, on a regular basis? Is it just sort of sitting in the room and picking the brain of some of your teammates and some of the other players, or is there just, or is there? you know, sort of nuances that you can learn from uh, playing on the bigger ice surface that maybe subtly can translate into, into the NHL game. Yeah. Um, I feel like for me personally over there, I was able to learn more about my offensive side that I, uh, my game, which was a huge help and great for my confidence. And, um, you know, I was put in different situations situations as well, which was very helpful for me. And that, uh, you know, you have a little bit more time on the ice out there. Uh, it was kind of like between a regular sheet and an Olympic sheet. So uh, just and then kind of trying to find areas where you, where you have more time skating away from from guys uh, just to give yourself that extra half a second. But uh, I feel like for for me, especially the, the offensive side was was really definitely a, a big boost. Dylan, realize that, you know, you recently got back from from Europe um, but we've got game four of the, the Vegas-Florida series t- uh, tonight. Florida obviously won uh, game three in, in overtime dramatic fashion. I just wanted to ask, you know, first off, how much of, of the final that you've been watching, but also, like, you know, you guys obviously weren't able to to get past the Golden Knights. Um, but are, are, I would imagine that you're not at all surprised that the Golden Knights are in the Stanley Cup final. I mean, they're, they're, they were the best team in the Western Conference uh, during the regular season. But just what have you thought of, of the Golden Knights run, especially considering that that's who obviously, you know, you guys faced in the first round? Yeah, I mean, they got a, they got a great team over there and um, they were tough to play against. Uh, a lot of high end players uh, that can make a lot of really good plays and you know, there's, there's a reason that they made it that far. And, um, you know, it, it's, you, you want to be there and uh, be in their shoes, but still, still fun to watch. And, you know, um, I'm hoping down the road, we can, we can eventually get to that point. Dylan Sandberg, Winnipeg Jets defenseman, our guest on the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. Now, Dylan, obviously, uh, as as you mentioned, you know, the series against the Golden Knights didn't go uh, the way you wanted it to. And then, of course, at the end of the season, there was, uh, you know, some pointed comments, I would say, from head coach Rick Bonus, and uh, some of the players rebutted those comments, you know. You know, given the, the the end of the season, given the disappointing sort of end, you know, how does the team sort of spend this off season regrouping and retooling and sort of refocusing to come back next year and, and have improved results? Um, I, I just think we we have a good team here, and everyone knows that. And uh, you know, at some point, it's going to work out for us. Just. Uh, Unfortunate the past couple of years, you know, with two years ago not making playoffs, this year making playoffs, and um, I think I think we're on the up. But uh, yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Are you in touch with a lot of the guys in the off season? Uh, yeah, I'm in touch with a few of them. I I train here with uh, Nate Schmidt, so uh, I get a full year of Schmitty. 
it's so, uh, awesome. And he's got his he, he's got his daddy hat on these days. He does, yeah, which is awesome, awesome to see. Um, he's very proud of that, and I've been talking. I talked to him the other day about that, and um, he said it, it's really exciting. But uh, I talk with uh, Brendan Dillon a lot, uh, Neil Pionk. We have a fantasy baseball league, so you keep you keep in contact through that. A fantasy, you see, I was going to expect you to say fantasy football. I assume you guys have a fantasy football league as well. But are you a baseball guy more than a football guy? Uh, I was more of a. They need an extra guy this year. <laughs> You're the and free that, money, is is what is what it is. Yeah, and I was like, you know what? I'll I'll give it a shot. And uh, so, and I'll, I'll be living down here in the cities, right next to Target Field, where the where the Twins play. So maybe it'll get me out to some more games. There you go. Not a bad way to spend. It's a beautiful stadium. Not a bad way to spend a day. Mm-hmm. Uh, if it's any consolation, Dylan, I, I lost my first six games in my fantasy baseball league to start the year. So as long as you can beat that level, then you're, then you're doing better than I am. Uh, yeah. Dylan Sandberg, our guest here on the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. Dylan, wanted to ask you about um, your last season, because obviously that was your first full year uh, in the NHL. And, you know, we do the, our post-game shows in addition to the, the Saturday show. And, you know, we talked about you a lot because I just thought, you know, as the season progressed, you just continued to get better and better and better. And you, and you mentioned Brendan Dillon, and it, it seemed like, you know, he he took you under his wing, not 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 to mention, you know, some other players that took you under their wing, but especially uh, on, on the back end there. So just... Can you just kind of, you know, for you, like, what was it, your, personally, what did you feel like, you know, how did you progress throughout the, the regular season and obviously getting your first taste of the, the NHL playoffs? Um, yeah, no, I felt like I progressed uh, from the beginning of the year on and uh, I just felt more confident the more I got to play and um, we had a really good group there and everyone's, especially in the back end, everyone's pulling for everyone and, you know, nobody is ever afraid to reach out if they need anything or want to ask any questions but uh and you know the especially with dylan pionk um schmitty they're you know always asking me talking with me and i just felt more comfortable as the year went along and um you know with within the within the good group that we had it made it a lot easier and uh i felt like it relaxed more started to play just uh try to play sound defensively and you know i felt like it progressed as the year went on you know, you talk about that, you know, and your progression as the year goes on. Is it sort of a gradual where the game sort of slows down for you when you get your you know, first real consistent taste of NHL action? Or is it just sort of one day snap and then everything sort of slows and you begin to sort of uh, process the game like you would have, let's say, at the college level or, or you know, when you were really comfortable in, in a role on any team that you previously played on? Yeah, I think it's it's more of like a gradual thing, I would say, for me at least. Uh, I just, uh, you know, just learn every little bit about the game day by day, whether that be in practice, in a game. And uh, I just feel like when the more you're in certain situations, the more comfortable you feel down the road. And I felt like that was very helpful for me. In terms of a off-season priority, you mentioned that you know playing overseas allows you to sort of you know playing at the World Hockey Championships maybe allows you to focus on a little bit more of an offensive style of game. Is that something you're looking to sort of fine tune a little bit? I mean, you were you really um, you know sort of settled very nicely into that role that you were playing uh, as a physical defenseman for the Jets, but still with some upside on the offensive side of things. Is that something you're looking to uh, as a priority this off-season? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, I always want to work on my offensive game, uh, anything I can do to help contribute. And um, I feel like uh, the coaches all year are always harping on the D to, you know, join the rush and, you know, 
break out your offensive side more and um, be comfortable with being in the offensive zone. And I feel like that's definitely a, a big thing for me this summer is just focusing on the offensive side of things and, you know, being more comfortable in the offensive zone. And I feel, I felt like the world championships really helped me with that. Dylan, I wanted to ask you about Josh Morrissey because obviously he's been a great defenseman for a long time uh, for the Jets, but this was, uh, you know, above and beyond that, uh, putting together a, a career season, should have been nominated for the Norris, but we're not going to get into that. Um, but I mean, this is this is your opportunity um, to to just gush about about Josh because I mean, what what he was doing on a day in day, day out basis, it was it was kind of I mean, and there's a lot of good players on the Jets, yourself included, but you kind of ran out of um, you know things to say about the the way Josh was playing. It was just incredible. It seemed like you know he had two points every single game, but just what did you see? You know, being on the ice with him this year because he was just I, I mean I think the the word incredible doesn't really uh, you know do do justice what he was doing on the ice this year. Yeah, no, he's he's a great player and. Um... You know, he was, he was fun to watch and, and like, learn from. And, uh, you know, some at some points in the year, you just sat back on the bench and you're you're sitting back and you're watching him. You're like, this is unbelievable what this guy's doing. And uh, he just plays with so much confidence and he plays free. And you can see that when he's out there. And um, he's a great player for us. He had a great year and, you know, um, great guy. And can't say enough good things about him. Dylan, the business side of the game is never that far away. And of course, for the first time, you are a restricted free agent this offseason. You know, how are you approaching that? Are you sort of just out of my out of sight, out of mind, and you'll get a call from your agent one day and, and, and that'll be that? Or is that something that you are sort of, uh, you know, you're aware of and it's at the forefront as you're going through your offseason uh, experience? Yeah, I mean, you're always going to be aware of it. But uh, I feel like for me at this point, I'm just you know, my uh, main focus is next year and uh, what I can do to to come into the season a lot better and um, stronger and, you know, what I can do to elevate my game in, in certain points. And uh, I mean, the contract, that'll, that'll come, but uh, at some point and just try not to worry about it too much right now and just focus on how I can get better. Uh, so I, you do, oh, sorry. Go ahead, Drew. I was going to say, go ahead, as you lost, and I'll ask after. No, I was going to, you know, uh, ask a more lighthearted uh, question as opposed <laughs> to Drew asking the the hard hitting contract <laughs> questions, uh, Dylan. But you mentioned, you know, you know, cl you're close with Nate Schmidt in in Minnesota training with him. I was going to ask you, like, you know, when are you going to be available for for babysitting duties? Are you going to wait until uh, you know Harvey's a little bit older? <sighs> I don't know. I'll have to ask Schmidt to see if he uh, let me be around Harvey. <laughs> If if you need any kids to practice on, uh, both Ezzy and I have uh, have young families, and you're you're welcome to come over and babysit for our kids as a test run before before Schmidt uh, Nate's kids, if you want. Yeah, I might have to because I don't think I've ever. <laughs> I think before. I think Dylan's got better things to do. Drew. I would hope so. I think <laughs> golfing, fishing, and hunting both sound more appealing uh, than either of the, than any of the options we've brought Absolutely. up so far. Uh, you know, Dylan, a couple more, and then we'll let you get on with your Saturday morning. We really appreciate your time. You know, I, I'm sure you're not a stranger to the noise and the and, and it's on every team, so it's not a unique to Winnipeg thing about players coming and going. And you know, when the season ends, uh, there's always going to be new faces in the dressing room, and guys that have been there before won't necessarily be there at the start of next year. You know. Uh, you know, how do you sort of handle that? Do you uh, you just realize it's sort of part of the business? It's nothing you can control, or do you just sort of uh, you know are are you sort of glued to the uh, to the news regarding the, uh, guys that you've been teammates of yours for a long time? Um, yeah, it, it'll definitely be different. You know, uh, it's different every year. Uh, over the past three years that I've been in pro mm -hmm. hockey, I've seen 
a bunch of new faces, mm-hmm. which is obviously exciting. You know, you get to meet a lot of new guys and uh, build a lot of friendships, which is great. But, uh, you know, some, some of the guys might be, it might be weird because uh, you've been around for three years and then you might not see them. But, uh, no, I think we got a good room and um, whoever comes in, I think we'll, we'll flourish. There you go. It's good. That's good to hear. I'm sure Jets fans appreciate that uh, that assurance from you, from you, given yeah. the, the way the season ended last year. Because uh, you know that's the problem with pro sports, or the reality of pro sports is that at the end of the year, with the exception of one team, there's probably about another 31 teams that are a little bit disappointed with how everything turned out. That's the the reality of it all. Uh, Dylan, we'll let you go on this last one. I, I was reading up on your bio, and 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 obviously I'm familiar with you, but I got to tell you. Uh, what I did not know is that you are a super fan of Dude Perfect. So, and that would be, according to uh, the good folks at USA Hockey, that is something that you would be looking to do if you weren't a hockey player is be doing trick shots with Dude Perfect. Is that right? That would be really cool. That mm-hmm. is definitely in my bucket list. Uh, yeah, I, I remember this goes way back. I've been been watching YouTube videos of them for a long time. But, uh, no, I, I enjoy the trick shots and um, – even uh, during COVID, when we were up here, I set up uh, in Winnipeg during the season. I set up some some pots and pans and did some ping pong trick shots. So, uh, to, uh, to, successfully, successfully, yeah. Okay, yep. I have a couple of videos. So. There you go. That's the important yeah. part. You got it. Nice. It's something we all had to do weird things during COVID. I think that's exactly. what we're learning about there. But uh, as long as you got some success out of it, but uh, yeah. yeah, those guys are pretty cool. I, I would agree with that. Uh, you know, you dude, perfect, definitely. Unfortunately, on this Saturday morning, you got two duds instead of a bunch of dudes. But uh, we appreciate you, uh, you nonetheless. How long? Uh, is, how long has Drew been sitting on that one, Dylan? I feel like he's had that one in his back pocket <laughs> for a while now. He dug that one up. Yeah, I don't know. I tweeted about it also, so I'm just reusing my tweets in the course of the conversation. But, you know, I appreciate you guys willing to humor me as I get my not-so-funny puns out in the course of this interview. Uh, Dylan, we really appreciate your time this morning. Thanks so much for joining us. Have a great rest of the offseason. When do you head back to Winnipeg? Do you know yet, or is it probably still some time? Uh, not entirely sure yet, but uh, somewhere early September. Well, we look forward to so. we look forward to catching up with you uh, again real soon and uh, hit it straight. What's what's the handicap? Uh I actually just gotten I downloaded this app called Eighteen Birdies because I've never known my handicap before. So um, I usually play around a two. <laughs> well, you don't know your handicap and you're a two. Yeah, I've <laughs> never actually done my handicap. So I got one of my buddies told me I got to download this app. So I just played my first round on it the other day. Well, it's, it's funny, really, Dylan, because Drew and I combined are 200. So uh, <laughs> you, you have a speed by 198. Beautiful. Dylan, thank you, buddy. Have a great rest of the summer. Great offseason. We'll catch up again real soon. Awesome. Thank you, guys. Appreciate Take it. Care. Thanks a lot, Dylan. Dylan Sandberg, Winnipeg Jets defenseman, joining us this morning on the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. That was a great interview. What a beauty he is. Thanks so much to Dylan. And of course, what a great defense. Winnipeg too, Jets like... uh, PR team for setting that up with us. Yeah, absolutely. And obviously, you know, Dylan was being, you know, humble there uh, when we were asking about, uh, you know, his last season and uh, scoring the overtime winning goal for for the U.S. And I mean, Dylan said it himself, right? I mean, he wants to go far in the playoffs as the rest of the Jets do. Um, But it's been amazing since he was drafted in 2017 to see him develop, right? Because Dylan put in his time with the Moose, played two years with the Moose. Yeah. Um, And now, I mean, we've talked about it, right, Drew? We weren't kidding when we when I said that to Dylan, right? Like he has established himself 
as a member of of the top six. You can just pencil no him question. in on that left side. So uh, good for him. I, I think really nice, really would... nice guy, and just a, a phenomenal hockey player. I think a lot of people would say that the Winnipeg Jets need more defensemen like Dylan Sandberg. We talked about it with Polly Edmonds in our number one, Ezzy, where you look at the Jets' defense, they have the puck movers, you know, in Morrissey and, you know, Pionk, obviously, we know what the struggles and, and the chaos that has been Neil Pionk's game for the last couple of years. But the Jets need just more, I would say, and I'm not, you know... I think the different styles, what you're talking about, I think is different styles. It's not, I mean, we've talked about this so much, right. When you're talking about size, like you can't just look at this in a vacuum and say, you know, the jets need more defensemen that are like six foot two, six foot three, like Dylan Sandberg, right? Like it's not that easy because for example, Neil Pionk, who's considered smallish at, you know, Pionk six feet. um, But he's, he plays a physical brand of hockey, right? So whether you're talking about defensemen or forwards, like Alex Dabrinkit, I mean, I think you would agree that if you redid that draft, Debrinkit goes way higher, um, and he's become a a, a, a perennial forty goal guy, right? So, like, mm-hmm. just because, or look at a guy like Lane Hudson, who the the Habs drafted, I think sixty second overall. Craig Button has said this before. I mean, if Lane Hudson was six foot three, he might have gone, uh, you know, second or third overall. Looks like the Habs have a steal there in Lane Hudson, right? So. I think when you're talking about the Jets defense, you're looking for, you know, the the perfect mix. And I think, you know, that group, uh, you know, including Dylan Sandberg, led by Josh Morrissey, and then, and then you throw in Nate Schmidt, Brendan Dillon, Neil Pionk, and Dylan DeMello. I think it's a good group. Um, but I think that, you know, you're looking to find uh, the right mix of, you know, skill, size, physicality, puck moving ability, all that stuff, uh, right? So, you know, it'll right. be interesting to see if we see any movement, but there's no doubt that, you know, on the left side with Morrissey, Sandberg, and Dylan, I mean, I have no problem with that left side going into next season. No, I, I, there's a lot. Yeah, there's a lot of appeal there. It's a matter of, you know, the right side is obviously the the area of concern for this Winnipeg Jets team. I mean, there's lots of areas of concern for this Winnipeg Jets team, as we've outlined on this Saturday edition of the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. We know that Pierre-Luc Dubois wants out. We now know that Connor Hellebuck isn't interested in signing a one-year contract or signing a contract extension with the Winnipeg Jets, which probably puts a pretty decent uh, shelf life on his future here in Winnipeg. Don't know yet about Mark Shifley. I mean, that's still sort of a... I still think Shifley ends up as a member of the Winnipeg Jets still. That's my inclination. That's my hunch. Jets would love that. I mean, that would be music to Chevy's ears, Drew. Well, and then of course the and then what do you do with the with Blake Wheeler? And I'm of the opinion, as we talked about last week and on previous weeks, that you just can't have Wheeler back in the room anymore. Uh, and look, I mean, I asked the questions of Dylan Sandberg, not expecting him uh, to really give uh, 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 an answer or, or make waves with his answer. I appreciated his answer, but I didn't expect him all of a sudden to start, you know, roasting his teammates or anything no. like that. Folks. No, but just all, all the- players, you know, Drew, in all sports, yeah. whether it's hockey, football, basketball, baseball, no. players, they, they don't. They're they, not going to they... torch each other. Exactly. Yeah. And, and, and but I mean, and it's incumbent. It's incumbent on us to ask the question, regardless of what the answer is going to be. Well, it's I what mean, every Jets fan is thinking, right? Okay. I mean, like every Jets fan that watched, you know, Game Five, and then the comments from Rick Bonus after Game Five, yeah. followed by the comments uh, of, of Blake Wheeler. Clearly, there was a disconnect between the players uh, and the coaches. A- and you know, I-, I have no idea if you know Wheeler's going to be moved or well, a buy a buyout is an option that we've talked about as well. Okay. Um, but clearly, I mean, if 
if Wheeler isn't going to be traded, this is most likely going to be his last year well, um, with I, the Jets. But you wonder, like, you I know, you, you could you could use that. Ca- that that were, there would be a lot of cap space freed up if if Wheeler wasn't on this roster. Well, look, the, the Jets. I mean, the cap space isn't isn't an issue for the Jets. You know, for this season, it's clearly not going to be something that. I mean, they have twelve, you know, thirteen million dollars in cap space right now, and they don't have what I would describe as anybody that is is a is a difficult signing. Assuming Dubois is not going to sign here, so you don't have to worry about that. Of course, if they acquire RFAs, that might change things a little bit. So cap space won't be an issue for the Jets, but it's time that Wheeler just moves out so you can. You have to start changing over the dressing room. There's just no question about it. You can't be Blake Wheeler's team anymore. And it still was last year. They tried to make it so that it wasn't when they removed the captaincy from him. And that was an admirable uh, way of going about it. But it's evident that it's still his team. And what I'm curious about, as much as, you know, I'm most curious about what happens with Mark Shifley without Blake Wheeler around does we've Mark never Shifley. seen it right we've like and that's the it. thing so, like since right. since Shifley has come into the NHL in uh whether it was 2012 2013 I forget since he became a full-time NHL or Wheeler's been there I mean Wheeler's been a member of the Jets organization since it moved to Atlanta he's the last guy he's the last thrasher yeah <laughs> right like that's it um there's no more Atlanta thrashers on the Jets after this so um you know it's going to be weird but I think you know to your point, Drew, you have to do what it takes to move this team forward because the last couple of years, the Jets have not moved forward, right? Like right. it's been, you know, um, missing the playoffs two years ago, getting knocked out in the first round. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you have to change, you have to change more than just one or two players, right? You have and, to change more than just the guys who have indicated they don't want to be here anymore. Exactly. You, uh, you know, you know, Dubois, you know, he doesn't want to be here. It's his prerogative a year from now to know to not be here. So he's telling you ahead of time again. He's already told you, but he's telling you again. So now it's incumbent on you to trade him. Hellebuck, unrestricted free agent a year from now. Same thing. He can choose his destination. Good for him. He's saying it doesn't. It's not going to be Winnipeg. He's not leading you on. He's not playing footsie with you. He's saying it's time for me to go, and I'm going to go. So it's time for the Jets to make that trade happen. With Wheeler, again, the, it's run its course. Everything has a shelf life. At some point in time, this show, maybe it'll be 20 years from now, maybe it'll be next week, will have run its course. Some would I hope, I hope it's, it's next course. week, by the way. Some, some would argue it ran its course five years ago, and we're still here. Yeah, I was going to say, I think we've been washed up since, like, you know, that 2017-18 run, Drew. Probably, quite possibly, and, and that's an argument I'm willing to listen to. But We definitely peaked. Yeah, eventually it will run its course, and people will move on, because that's what happens in life. It's just unavoidable. So the Winnipeg Jets, the organization, and for whatever reason, they seem to refuse to acknowledge this. And maybe it's a money issue. Sure, could be that they don't want to pay a guy to not be here. And I understand that. And it's not my money. So far be it for me to tell them what to do with their money. But at some point in time, it's addition by subtraction. And until Blake Wheeler's domineering presence is no longer front and center within the Winnipeg Jets dressing room, it's still going to be Wheeler's team. And we know it can't be Wheeler's team anymore and expect there to be legitimate success 
uh, for this roster. It's just it, it, the writing is clear. The evidence is clear. You tried to run it back again. You made the playoffs, but you, I mean, you can't just overlook what happened for the last half of the year and think that, you know, by, right. by removing uh, the your best player in Connor Hellebuck and removing Pierre-Luc Dubois, one of your star players, is going to solve the problem. It's more than an on-ice performance issue. Yes. It just is, which means it's a dressing room issue, which means it's the the domineering presence in the room is the one that needs to go. And I ju- and and you know just putting the you know the contract status aside, right? Last year of of his contract with the right. Jets, and and putting aside kind of the the locker room dynamics and his leadership abilities and everything like that. Like to me, it's just that he's in he's in between. You know what his his usefulness is at the NHL level, right? Like we've talked about it, right? Like you know he's not that dominant first power play guy anymore. Can he can he produce? And that's the craziest thing is that he had six points in five games against the Golden Knights in the first round, and he was arguably one of the Jets' best forwards, right? So I'm not diminishing Blake Wheeler. He's had an excellent career with the Jets. All I'm saying is with Kyle Connor, Nick Ehlers, and and especially with the acquisition of Nino Niederreiter, you've got Cole Perfetti. To me, those are your four wingers in the top six. And Blake Wheeler is not a guy I think that you want playing uh, necessarily a third-line role. Like, could he do it? Sure. Um, but like, like role, it's just though. not, it's not the role that, that you ideally want him in. And I think if the Jets were a team that was low or, or, you know, lacking talent, then you would say, you know, you have to keep Blake Wheeler because the Jets don't have, you know, a lot of other options when it comes to the wing, but that's where the Jets are strong. It's the, it's up the middle that you're concerned with right now because of, you know, Pierre-Luc Dubois most likely being traded in, in the short term. Right. So I think that's part of it, right, Drew? Like, I think Blake, nobody's like, what What did Blake Wheeler have this year? 55 points, 60 points? Like, he was good. That's yeah. not it. It's 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 not just about goals and assists right. and, you know, Wheeler being able to get it done. Of course, I mean, Wheeler, uh, you know, is a fantastic passer on the power play. And he can also rip some goals every so often on the power play. But it's not about that. It's about moving your team forward. This is Adam Lowry and Josh Morrissey's team now. It's not Kyle Wheeler's Connors team, team anymore. It's Nikolai exactly. Ehlers' team. It's Dylan Sandberg's team. It's time for that new – I mean, these guys aren't young players anymore. They've been around forever, it seems like. But it's time that it no longer is Blake Wheeler's team. Uh, and I know that, and you know that, and it's incumbent on the Winnipeg Jets to recognize that because otherwise you're going to be in the same situation. The way that press conference and look, if the Jets, uh, we've talked about it. If the Jets season ended in five games and they lost game five, four, three to Vegas, and there was no controversy in the media, in the end of season media availabilities, then people would say, okay, whatever, we can bring Wheeler back for another year. But the way that he, you know, that he shivved his head coach, I just don't know how both of them can coexist in the room together. And I know there's been instances where players dislike coaches and coaches dislike players. It happens. I understand that. It, it, but the Winnipeg Jets aren't good enough, as currently constructed, to overcome that. They just aren't. So you have to do one of two things to, to fix it. You have to either remove the coach, which in my estimation would not be the right decision, because I don't know that any other coach comes in and, and, and can handle Blake Wheeler and his temperament. Or you remove the player. And there's a number of players on this roster who I believe are ready to step up and try and re 
re-envision the team. There's that re-word again. They're going to re-envision the team in the dressing room and how they approach the game and how they deal with it. But they can't do that while the glass ceiling of Blake Wheeler's leadership still exists. So the Jets have a number of things they have to work on over the course of the next, you know, three weeks, because that's really what we're talking about. It is three weeks from today, folks. That's Canada Day. That's when free agency is in the NHL, Saturday morning, July 1st, Canada Day, free agency, Illegal Curve Hockey Show. Set your reminder. But the draft is a few days before that, and the trades are going to happen. They're already happening in a lot of other cities. So now is the time for the Winnipeg Jets to make those hard decisions to rip band-aids off. The buyout period opens when the cup final ends. Well, the cup final could end as early as when they play. They play tonight and then they play again Tuesday. Er- yeah, exactly. The earliest the Stanley Cup could be awarded is is Tuesday. Well, there you go. It's I think yeah. 48 hours after the cup is awarded is when the buyout period starts, which means you know that that time is coming very soon and it's incumbent on the Winnipeg Jets to uh react and act accordingly well, with the various moves that they are that are swirling around this organization. Absolutely. And I said this last week, Drew, like so much has changed in the last 2 weeks. So much has changed in the last 2 hours. When it comes to you know LeBron, Russo, and Duhatchik uh, mm-hmm. putting out their article in the Athletic saying that you know Hellebuck is not going to be signing a, a contract with the Jets, so now I mean it, it's looking more and more likely that you know all four members of the core four are going to be moved, right? Like I, I agree with you. It's looking like Shifley would probably be the best bet to stick in in Winnipeg, but right. um, there's going to be big moves. There's no doubt about it. And it's just a question of when it's going to happen. And, you know, are all these moves going to happen around the same time? I don't think that's going to happen, uh, that the, the trades are going to happen within, you know, two or three days of each other. I just think when you talk about the magnitude of the players, when you're talking about Dubois and, and Hellbuck, and obviously, you know, Wheeler wouldn't be, you know, considered uh, in that same breadth. But when you talk about, uh, you know, being the captain and spending the last 12 years with the Jets, that's a big move to make. I think it's a trickier move to make, and you're not going to get the same return that you get for players like Hellebuck and, and, and Dubois. But there's no doubt, Drew, that this is a transitional year for, for the Jets organization. It's a huge year um, for Chevy, and it's going to be really interesting to see what type of package they get back, especially for, as I mentioned, Dubois and, and Hellebuck. But I think, you know, Jets fans are ready to move on. I think, you know, we talk to Jets fans you know, we see the the chat. You know, every Saturday show, every post game show, and there's an appetite for change. I mean, things have not worked out well right. the last couple of years. Jets fans want to see a new direction. They want to see a new vision. Uh, they want to see this team, you know, go deeper into the playoffs. I mean, Paulie Edmonds said it right. The Panthers almost missed the playoffs, yeah. and they're they're three wins away from winning the Stanley Cup. I do think Vegas is going to close it out. I think it's going to be really tough you know, for Florida to to win four of the last five games of the series. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the point is that, you know, if you get in, you know, I mean, nobody expected the Panthers to beat the Bruins. So I think if, if Chevy makes, makes the right moves, and I, I think he will make the right moves, um, I mean, the Jets can easily be back in the playoffs next year. I, I don't, look, I, I think a lot of people are worried about the goaltending situation, rightly so, because you're not going to get a Connor Hellebuck back in return for Connor Hellebuck. It's just not going to happen. But right. you have to get a, a goaltender that's going to be able to give you at least, you know, 50 to 55 games. Um, but it, it's it's going to be a much different Jets roster uh, for the 23-24 season. And, you know, it's exciting. It's exciting to cover. I mean, it's going to be sad to see guys like Hellebuck and, and Wheeler go. Obviously, Dubois hasn't been a Jet for that long. It's going to be sad to see him go, but especially Hellebuck and Wheeler, because they've been such a big part of the Jets' success 
um, you know, over the last decade, essentially. It, we will bring you all the latest, of course, here on the Illegal Curve Hockey Show and IllegalCurve.com. Whenever news breaks, you know that those are your two destinations for all your latest Winnipeg Jets news. Want to say a big thank you to all of you for joining us and, of course, all the sponsors of Illegal Curve who make the post-game show, the Saturday show, and the website a possibility. Our friends at the Rady JCC, the 2023 Rady JCC Sports Dinner is coming up in nine days time chris chelios ed belfort jeremy ronick plus all three members of illegal curve will be on site if you haven't got your tickets yet what are you waiting for the best sports dinner that happens in this fine city of ours is the rady jcc 49th annual sports dinner coming up on monday june the 19th get your tickets now radyjcc.com i know that there are limited tickets available so if you want to see from those hear from those three legendary chicago blackhawks chelios belfour ronick get your tickets now radyjcc.com also want to say a big thank you to our friends at Rumors Restaurant and Comedy Club. Looking for something to do on this Saturday night or tomorrow, a special Sunday show as well. Check out Rumors Restaurant and Comedy Club, rumorscomedyclub.com. Our friends at Linden Market Dental Center, Zapia Group Realty. I'm having coffee with Frank on Monday. I'm looking forward to catching up with our good buddy, Frank Zapia. A little Best cappuccino, day. Drew? A little cappuccino, a little latte. I'm not sure which, but I'm sure I'm going to enjoy it regardless. Our friends at Betway, they're the title sponsor of the post-game show. Tough Duck, Tough Duck, hardest-hitting uh, uh, comment that happens on the post-game show. Our friends at Boston Pizza, great to run into Andrew from Boston Pizza at last night's Bomber game. Remember, news to come on that front. Illegal Curve live on location for the post-game shows at Boston Pizza. More details to come when the schedule is released and over the next couple of more pizza months. for me drew that's what all i that's all i care about there you go you're getting paid in pizza i believe is how it's working there again absolutely uh, our friends at seagram's if you're drinking this weekend please drink responsibly Rolly's transfer as he's still under the piano dear god somebody help him grid park and the keg support these fine businesses because of their continued support of illegal curve hockey big thanks to paul edmonds big thanks to jets defenseman dylan samberg if you missed either of those interviews if you missed any of the show there's an immediate replay on youtube and the podcast will be up a little bit later on this afternoon once dave m is back on his illegal curve duties we gave him a little bit of a uh, a pardon a couple hour uh you know conjugal visit that he can go use instead of being here with us on this saturday morning but we appreciate all of you being with us it's been a great show it's been a ton of fun if you haven't already done so, smash the like button. Remember to leave us feedback on the YouTube channel. Leave us feedback on iTunes. We want to know what you think about the show here, there, and everywhere. We always like to hear from you good folks. Whatever you're doing this weekend, please do it safely. For Ezra Ginsburg, I'm your host, Drew Mandel. If it's Saturday, it's the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. Thanks for listening to this broadcast from Illegal Curve Hockey. For more great Illegal Curve content, subscribe to the Illegal Curve YouTube channel, follow at Illegal Curve on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and visit your online home for hockey in Winnipeg, IllegalCurve.com.